welcome to episode 121 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode is called Operation WonderCon, as we'll be reporting back on multiple team-oriented, mission-centric games that we got to play at WonderCon. Um, so it's, it's weird because it's been a couple weeks of not a lot of Nintendo news, but a lot of Nintendo stuff, I feel like. Like, we didn't have directs, we didn't have announcements, we didn't have financials, but what we did get is, uh, Mitomo came out, my Nintendo launched, and for us, we were at WonderCon here in Los Angeles and got to try the world debut of Metroid Prime Federation Force's, uh, co-op mode, as well as new demos of Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard, so we have impressions of all of that, plus Mitomo, plus new and fun Pokemon Go, plus some interesting reports that the Wii U might be discontinued, and a whole lot more, along with Pokémon Tournament impressions at the end on this episode, so... Not big on the news, but big on the uh, events, I guess you could say. So use the timestamps for Nintendo.com if you haven't already for this episode. You know, if you know it up for it, it's there for each episode to jump to what interests you. Or just, we're, we're just going to start at WonderCon, so you could just join us from there on it. So, yep. Yeah, so WonderCon. Um, yeah, yeah, that happened. It did. It's a convention. It's yep. For those who don't know about it, WonderCon is essentially Comic-Con's little brother like it's the same people that organize it it's smaller but has a lot of big name draw still and it's a little more comic booky in its focus like it's more what it's what comic-con was before hollywood and all the big companies made it a marketing brand activation mania situation yeah like if you're into finding up and starting comic books or just want to meet a bunch of different artists mainly i would say it's definitely been more beneficial for indie people Mm-hmm. than anyone else like there's just a lot of places to get exposure there's, there's a lot of selling yourself there but what's interesting selling yourself out yeah no uh, what's interesting is in a bad way but no i know what's interesting with WonderCon though is that it's been kind of growing rapidly these last couple of years so it started in san francisco in the bay area as had a different name i don't remember what it was Who but then it, yeah but then it came down it was like ape or something like oh that's what it was i think so oh, then it came there down ape yeah, then it came down to... Or maybe Apes still happen. Maybe that's the smaller... I don't know. Either way, that came down to Anaheim for a few years, and that's when Nintendo started getting involved. And they would bring demos and that sort of thing. But then this year, the Anaheim Convention Center is under renovation, so they moved it to the L.A. Convention Center, which you may know is the home of E3, so much bigger. And uh, Nintendo appropriately sort of stepped up their game at WonderCon compared to this year, compared to past years. So for Nintendo, they had... Last year, they had Splatoon was the only unreleased game, and that's about it. They had a boost for Splatoon and a few other games. But Smash Brothers? Yeah, Splatoon, a Smash Bros. Amiibo tournament, and that's pretty much it. This year, they had uh, Star Fox Guard, Star Fox Zero, Metro Prime Federation Force, Hyrule Warriors Legends, and Pokémon Tournament. And they brought in the developers of Hyrule Warrior Legends for a panel and a signing, and they had prize giveaways. And they brought those crazy Star Fox chairs from E3 to try the game in. Um, so yeah, it was like a Nintendo had a much bigger showing. Like for me, we went one day, and for me, I feel like it was like Nintendo convention basically. I was there practically like three quarters. Of yeah, the day. between them bringing all this crazy <clears throat> setup and um, I guess Nickelodeon having like like a little mini lair display at Ninja Turtles, and yeah. Disney also having a kind of this kind of interesting looking booth for their music stuff. They just had a bunch of towers like popping up out of the ground. Like, it definitely looked, it definitely felt like a miniature Comic-Con. Like, it literally just ripped off a piece of Comic-Con and just... For the first time, really. Yeah, like, compared to last year, this one felt way more media-centric than indie-centric. Which is great for us, because that's why we like going to these Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I had a, I had a bus I got to meet the 
most of the current cast from the current Ninja Turtle show is signing. Got to meet and get a, a signature from the the guy that played Michelangelo in the first two movies, the live action Ninja Turtle movies. Got to play Metroid Prime since we really wanted to play that. Yeah, and we'll be talking about that in a sec, but I did want to say that they also, Nintendo's this cool thing at all these conventions here included where you play demos and they give you stuff. So you get tickets and you turn the tickets into prizes. Like so a phone and Star Fox patches. Yeah, so we have a bunch of Star Fox patches. We have, um, they had like Master Sword, plastic Master Sword styluses. They had Hyrule Warriors Legend, WonderCon brand, yeah, WonderCon branded posters. They actually had like the date of the panel and stuff. And the Bravely uh, Default lens. Bravely Second. Bravely second. Lens, screen cleaners. lens cleaners, yeah. And if you want to see what Nintendo's booth looked like or what any of the other stuff on the show floor game-related and not look like, we did put up a gallery at the start of the week. Um, you can find it at Nintendo.com. It's called Extra, the site to WonderCon, WonderCon 2016. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's right next to this episode on the homepage. So go check that out if you're curious. We can also link to it on the blog post for this episode. But... Now we've talked about what WonderCon itself was, which for me was a pleasant surprise that they really stepped it up. Uh, next year's back in Anaheim, but hopefully with the focus, the new media focus that I got at, e- at uh, the LA version. Um, now we've talked about that. You did mention Metroid. That is a game we both really want to try. It's a game that's a very hot topic for Nintendo fans because some love it, most seem to hate it. But that's but none of you have played it. So that's we've the, had uh... yeah we've had the privilege of being able to actually play it. So, previously a year ago, I tried Blast Ball at E3 last June. And that, at the time, is like, okay, it's a weird soccer game. It's like Rocket League in first person, but much slower, much heavier feeling, and with Metroid Prime controls. But I could see how it was Metroid. Like, it felt... There's like a Metroid skin slapped on it, control-wise. Metroid Prime Federation for its co-op, which was four people. They had us going teams of four, two separate... You know, they had two separate teams of four that could do their own thing. It was its own little adventure... That felt, to me, much more Metroid-y. That felt like Metroid Prime Hunters compartmentalized into this little, like, co-op thing, and then you kind of just go. Oh, yeah, and I mean, on top of that, um, <clears throat> the controls, I just felt... I mean, they were as Metroid Prime as you can get, because yeah. excluding um, Hunters and Metroid Prime 3, which made you go with a completely different control scheme, mm-hmm. this one had the exact same controls as Metroid Prime 1 and 2, where you just, as you're walking around, you're... Your cannon points in whatever direction you're looking, and if you just lock on with the shoulder button, it just goes in that direction. And you can also hold it to aim, manually yep. aim. So it literally was just Metroid Prime controls. What was interesting to me is I, I guess because it was on a DS or a 3DS, I was expecting Hunter-style controls, where it was actually... I, too, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was kind of hoping for I it, I was honestly. hoping for that, too, because Hunter's, as wonky as that silly thumb pad was... That, you had to, that they recommended wearing and pretending was an analog stick on the DS. As weird as that thing was, once you got the hang of the touchscreen for aiming and the D-pad for moving, it felt pretty natural. Well, I never used a, a thumb pad. I did at first, and I, mean, I switched it. I mean, I had it. It's, it's probably still... No, it's not on there anymore. But I just used a stylus, and I, yeah. and I honestly preferred the stylus when it came to the, those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Like, I just always liked it. And if not, like, just, I would just say, oh, just give me gyro controls. But at the time, we didn't know if those right. were... Either but, an option, but, but either way, like, like it still that worked. worked and felt weirdly felt right after a while on the DS. Like it made sense for Metro Prime So when we started Federation Force, which Kid Icarus, I, uh, easy transition. Not for me because they had no left-handed mode. I still hate them for that. Uh, or no, they did have a left hand. No, they didn't have a left-handed mode. Or did they? No, they did not. They did, but you couldn't use a stylus and a s- stick. You had to use a stylus. The D pad, yeah, 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 which sucked. Uh, no, not the D pad. The, uh, the ABXY yeah. face buttons. 
But uh, yeah, so with this, when we started Federation Force, the first thing I did instinctively was try to touch screen. No. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's the new 3DS. Let me try the C-Stick. Does that do anything? And that does absolutely nothing. It is literally nothing. Granted, this is just a demo, but... Which gives me hope that, I don't know, it'll run just as good, maybe, on the regular 3DS? Because that was a problem with Hard Warrior Legends, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, in that it's out now, and people yeah. know. On it, it normal some, 3DS it, and 2DS, that thing is like, do not touch that game. On new 3DS, it's actually somewhat enjoyable. So. Yeah, they even had the little disclaimer that it plays better on new 3DS. Yeah, they had that on the... Which I is saw that on the booth poster, and oh, like, yeah. I've never seen that which before. Is, which basically means, like, don't, please don't buy it on... Don't 3DS. ever touch this on a normal 3DS. But, um... But yeah, so Federation Force, I guess we should just kind of walk through how the demo works, because no one really... I mean, there's footage out there now, but it's kind of foreign, because Nintendo never really explained it. So basically, the way I described it on Twitter right after I played it, and the way I kept telling you, and you're like, are you going to stop making this comparison? And no, I am not. Is this is Four Swords if it was Metroidified. Metroidified. Met- well, it makes underwent sense. Metroidification. You basically go to a small little section, you kill everything in that area, and yep. then you have to all meet up in one little tiny... I don't know, computer, where everyone has to pick off a different section, just like in Four Swords, where everyone has, to, everyone has to stand on the panel to go to the next area. Yeah. And rinse and repeat. And, it, and, and following that logic, at least in the demo, it's pretty rudimentary stuff you're doing. You're killing all the enemies in the room. You're going to get the key, which is off beyond some platforms you have to jump over. Uh, you're, which, by the way, the jumping now, unlike with Samus in Metroid Prime, this actually has like a weird like hover state thing, at least right at the start. Yeah, Like I mean, Samus, you could not just... like. Helicopter Hover. across yeah. lava pit. Or you you had the double jump, but yeah, this is definitely it. It definitely leaves more room for error. What you think? It, well, it's weird because like I feel like on the one hand it leaves more room for error because you could hover to the wrong spot, which I did. Or you could. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're in a multiplayer situation on a tiny screen where you want to move quickly, because I don't know, they didn't show in the demo if you like get ranked based on kills or anything. But um, like in theory, if that's in there and you want to move quickly, a double jump. When you have that little of a screen to work with, I feel like it might actually be more difficult than this weird hover thing. So, I don't know. It's just like, because the time to double jump, you kind of needed to see your surroundings, but it's in first person, but yeah. Well, I mean, I've never... It wasn't hard with... in Metroid Prime, but I just yeah. mean, if you're on a tiny screen and you're like trying to get across this gap faster than someone else, you, um, in Metroid Prime, you could look down, you could look up, you could see what's there where you should double jump. On this one, you're just kind of running and hoping you make it i feel like you can't really look well i mean i guess if you like right. look down and lock on and then double jump you could look down while double jumping you could yeah i mean to make that's sure... not what you did to make sure you didn't miss jump I... you had no context of where the platform was unless it was in front of you and then when you're I in mean, the air it's well that's really... i never had to do that i just oh. did it and it just worked oh maybe i thought too much i mean metric prime three i mean i guess you could do that since you could actually aim with the stylus as you're moving yeah, but maybe, maybe but in I prime one and two you can only look forward at all times unless you like you're manually right. look down and lock i guess i'm thinking of corruption primarily no i'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's corruption because yeah. that one definitely had the longest that one had the split yeah. especially if you had the metric prime trilogy which then means you're correct on all but time. i did not so that does thank oh. you for trying to help my case but it does not. <laughs> but no, anyway, so yeah, so the demo, like, you're just doing these things where you're just, it's like little tasks per room, and then at the end of these tasks, you, of course, have a boss battle, and this one was, like, a spinning core. Generic oh, boss, I, I feel generic. we fought in a Metro- Oh, yeah, it was exactly like the Parasite Queen in Metroid 1, yeah. Yeah, it was the, yeah, literally yeah. the first boss. <laughs> yeah, run around, wait for the gaps, shoot through the gaps. But what's interesting about this one is they had this weird poison gas situation so basically you sh- you're well, it's, a way it. to, it's a way to keep you from doing it the whole time yeah so what they do is they basically you have to run to these pl- like as you're fighting the boss as you're all shooting you're locking on the walls will start coming down and this like the room is split in two and there's the front half with the boss and the back half with these elevated platforms with staircases to get to them 
and you have to, when the time's right, which is basically when the alarms start going off, make your way away from the boss onto these platforms before poison gas fills the room, and if you don't, you're basically instantly dead. And that's the thing that, um, unlike Four Swords, Metroid Prime Federation Force does, is when you do die, and we all died at least once, it was us, the two of us, our friend of the same age, and then an eight-year-old, so... We mostly carried the team, but uh, but the eight year old actually held his own. But, no, um, that's because because I used up all my healing. Oh, you were doing on that? Oh, never yeah, because I, I kind of went as, went in as a medic, thinking like, oh, I could heal myself, but you can only heal your team. Oh, we should talk about that next. So um, I just kind of we'll talk about that our buddy next. the whole time. Yeah, but uh, what was I trying to say? Yeah, we we as a group all died once. All died once, but we revived. But each revival other. is something unlike. Thank you. Unlike four swords and four swords, when you die, it's just a hard off, and that's it. You keep moving on as your unit and you share a health bar. This one, you all have independent health. If you die, you are stuck there until someone comes to your aid and hammers the A button next to you long enough and then you spring back to yeah, life. I think um, and that someone any is, cooperative shooting like Left 4 Dead or Call yeah, of Duty. It's, it's standard yeah. practice. Except they don't make you hammer a button. And you off, just hold the yeah. button. <laughs> but all, yeah, which was weird because I was like holding the button next to our friend when he died and he was like, pre- like repeatedly pressing. Like, why would I do that? This isn't Mario Party. I'm not pumping the balloon. Mm. Like, why... But, uh, yeah, that's the other thing we need to talk about is also, like, standard shooters, the other, like, Metroid, not even Metroidification, but the other unique wrinkle on this co-op four-player formula that Four Swords kind of pioneered within Nintendo is um, the idea that there are different roles for different people. So when you first start Metroid Prime Federation Forces, any one mission, you are picking two, I believe, different items, and those items that you're equipped with determine your role. So you could be the medic and have a healing thing. You could be, you could have like a certain laser missile, you could have a certain like electric yeah, bolt thing. Well, and each of those do something different somewhat yeah. to solve puzzles, like, to that sort of thing. Essentially every item has a weight to it, and you can only yeah. carry so much weight, so they pretty oh, much ma- so, yeah. so they made it so that you can't pick two of the really big items, so that yeah. you pretty much are being forced to like specialize in something. Yeah, you can have two big items or like a combination of one big and a few small. Yeah, so I, and usually the one big is your primary. You're the medic now. You're the you're the captain now. You're the whatever. It may yeah, be. you want to go guns blazing or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and you do need to work together in that regard. Like there is a there's a part of it where it's like, um, oh hey, we need to unlock the store, but we need the spark missile or whatever that thing was. So I don't remember which one of us had, but we had to show you where to go, like kind of guide you over and do it. And there's also things to collect individually, which I think in the case they are going to rank you in some way, there were mod chips you can collect. Mod chips give you <coughs> enhanced abilities in the future. I think new items you can equip at the start of each mission, but Nintendo didn't go into much detail about that to us. They were just there everywhere. Like, there's rooms and chests, and it's kind of like the rupees and four swords, if we were to keep that analogy going. Like, yeah. the way you get rupees to kind of out, you know, do something for yourself in this co-op environment you're now doing with mod chips. Uh, I remember what took me a while to get used to um, was because my brain was already hardwired to... I guess how I was playing first-person shooters on a handheld. Yeah. And for a while, I kept pressing R, and I'm like, it's not shooting. Like, nothing's coming out. And actually, and I never bothered asking, like, how to shoot. And I wasn't going to ask that because I'm like, I don't want to look like like an idiot. Like, like, oh, he doesn't know how to shoot. But then, eventually, that's, that was pretty much when I realized that, oh, like, oh, it's just straight up Metroid Prime 1 and 2 controls. Because yeah. then I'm like, oh, A shoots, and R just If it makes you, you feel on. better, if it makes you feel better, I, it took me a full room... This demo had, what, seven rooms? It took me a full room of the demo before I realized, oh, this is like old-school Metroid Prime. I can lock on with L. I was just aiming manually with only one stick. Like, this is really janky. And then I realized I lock on, and it made sense. Which is funny, because in Blast Ball that I played a year ago, locking on is key to shoot the ball into the goal. You can't 
Because it's basically soccer, remember? Yeah. So you can't actually really hit the ball very well unless you lock on. So I knew I could lock on a year ago, but in the time since, I completely forgot that was a component of the game. Huh. But uh, but yeah, overall, I, I really liked it. Like, I could see why people are like, I want a real Metroid. But as like a kind of side thing, in the same way that Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon of it had a four-player Luigi's Mansion, this is that. This is a nice companion yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, I just see like another game that we're getting. Like, yeah, no one. It's not like Nintendo's budget would be on a. It's not like they were like, let's make Metroid Prime Four. Just kidding, let's make this. This is definitely a separate. Really, I'm kind of surprised that people were so ready to like want this to be the next Metroid instead of like something that was on a console or something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I think their concern was like, why would Nintendo invest in this handheld thing when they could do something on a console? But it's like those are different budgets. Yeah, they have different goals. Nintendo has said. Iwata said when he was still running the show, when he was still alive, he said multiple times, our goal with the 3DS in the next couple years is we want to emphasize local multiplayer. We want people to see a group of people together, having fun playing 3DS together, and being like, dude, I want to get in on that. And that's why we saw things like Triforce Heroes. That's why we saw things like, in this case, Metroid Prime Federation Force. The idea is, here's a franchise that Nintendo fans like. Here's something we've daunted before, in this case, Hunters. Let's make it more of a local multiplayer experience than online, because that one was more of an online shooter. So how you do that? Co-op Four Swords in Metroid. Boom. Federation It's only a matter of time done. before we get a Super Mario 3D Land I co-op. Guess, sequel. That's pretty much just Super Mario 3D World, but on the 3DS. Because 3D yeah. World was already multiplayer. I don't know if it's going to happen at this point, because NX, at that point, they might just jump over. But, yeah, true. But, but, but yeah, I think... But that like, would have happened, I guess, earlier. It could have, yeah. yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, down the road, like, they already did Zelda, they did Samus, like... Yeah, I guess next would just be Mario or Star Yeah, and Fox, I think but... I think part of the reason they went with Metroid is it's a different aesthetic from everything else on 3DS. How many times are you going to play a Mario game? How many times are you going to play a Zelda game? Oh, hey, here's a sci-fi shooter. That's something... There just aren't even that many it of those in the 3DS the... to begin yeah, with, too. It there was only the library. Really there nice. was only Moon and that other new Good 3DS nice. exclusive one. Oh, uh, Ironfall. Yeah, like, just those two. Yeah, yeah no, this... I think this Nintendo stri- was... As much as fans are like, it's not real Metro, Nintendo's very strategic in this because it, like I started saying, and kind of like what you were saying, it complements everything on the 3S very nicely because it is a lesser, it's a less common genre on the handheld. Oh, yeah. Which means if I have Triforce Heroes, if I have Pokemon, if I have Mario Kart, and I want another local multiplayer experience thing, so Nintendo can have another, look at this free marketing we're getting, everyone's crowding around 3DSs, a sci-fi shooter fits that mold yeah, and will get me a buy it instead. Yeah, as far as like multiplayer Triforce, they have a nice I mean they're between like Pokemon, Mario Kart, freaking um Monster Hunter. Yeah. Mm, but yeah, I mean uh Smash. Yeah. Oh yeah, Smash is a huge one. I completely forgot yeah. about that. But I think that's a big reason well besides just ensuring good sales, I think that's a big reason that Smash is on three DS. But um yeah I think it's summary for Metro Federation Force the takeaway is we still don't know when this thing's out. It's supposed to be out late spring, but I think the takeaway is when it comes out do not approach this game as Metroid Prime 4. Do not even approach this game as just straight-up Metroid Prime Hunters 2. This is Metroid... This is Four Swords with a Metroid twist. Like, if you enjoy co-op games, you will like this. If you enjoy Metroid Prime Hunters, you'll like this if you're open to the co-op. If you like Metroid Prime, you'll like this if you're open to the co-op. Like, it combines them just enough that there are elements in there that, like... I think when we walked away from it, we both said at the same time, it feels like Metroid. Yeah. Like, granted, it's a little faster pace. It's a little more action-y. The tasks that we had to do in the demo were definitely dumbed down. But it still kind of felt like Metroid. And that's what really, at the end of the day, 
I mean, matters. yeah, it's literally just like a cooperative Metroid. first-person Metroid game. Yeah, and it's fun. I liked it. I mean, I if, that, it if that sounds interesting to you, then you'll enjoy it. If it doesn't sound interesting to you, go back to downvoting all the trailers, whatever. <laughs> if you're like our friend that played it, that just said he doesn't like it and didn't really give us any reason why, yeah. then I guess he I was, like it. I was actually kind of impressed by the graphics when the th- with the 3D on. Oh, yeah, he said the graphics Yeah, sucked. he didn't mm-hmm. like the graphics, but that's kind of from someone who doesn't really play 3DS that much, where, yes, compared to the newest iPhone, the 3DS graphics aren't necessarily anything to write home about, but when you have it in full 3D with running at the full frame rate it was running at, which I, I feel like it was pretty smooth. Yeah, well, it I might mean, have been 30, but yeah, it could have been I, I, thought, look, I, mean, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I was comparing it to Metroid Prime Hires in my head, though, so I was like, wow, this is way well, better. Well, I mean, even just comparing it to, like, other things on the 3DS, which is, like, what we told our friend, because he's like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, if you compare it to, like, a game that you could play a on place, 4K. Yeah, or, a PS4 yeah. game. Yeah. Or a PS4K game, considering that's a rumor. There's oh. a new PS4.5 coming. Oh. Do you know about that rumor? I've heard stuff about yeah, it, Yeah, it's, it's going to be this fall. I'm going to figure my game. Yeah, but no, it's it's really fun. I liked it a lot. Uh, you just need to know what you're getting into when you play it. Like, don't... The thing that everyone's doing that I don't want people... That I don't think people should do because it's kind of unfair and next level games makes great games is um, you can't go into this saying, I, I'm expecting Metroid Prime 4. You will be disappointed. If you go into it expecting something new that's Metroid-related, a.k.a. a spinoff, boom, you it delivers very nicely, at least from our demo. Yeah. So that was one thing we got to play. And that was cool because Nintendo actually debuted it for the very first time at WonderCon. So that was really fun. Like we, That was like a mini E3 moment for us. But the uh, the other stuff we played were the Star Foxes. This is, this is. Star so Fox I guess Saturday. I could talk about Star Fox Zero first and then you uh, jump in with Guards. Is Guards what interests you? Can I just say Guard? Because I feel like that one's going to go away really fast. Okay, yeah, we'll start with Guard and we'll double back to um, Zero. I feel, like okay. you have, I feel like you would have a lot to say about... Actually, somewhat. Yeah, I have stuff to say about Guard, too. But, yeah, go ahead. So, I, have some, I also have some passive things to say about Zero, just based on things I saw. I saw. But you know what's interesting? I have passive things. To, I, I have interesting things like that, too, because I was waiting in line for 90 minutes to play Star Fox Zero. I'll explain why, why I get my impression. So I heard a lot of people go by that didn't know Star Fox would make... There's a new Star Fox. Really? And they were, like, super into it. Like, I'll, I'll talk about it really? when we talk about the visuals. Well, but, yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Just kidding. Wow. April Fool's. Wow. What, but this goes up on the 3rd. I mean, granted, it's we have one hour left of April Fool's when we're recording this. But... And I'm going to abuse that hour. All right. Except it's out of date by the time people hear it. Anyway, Star Fox Guard. So they had a single demo unit for it on Big TV in the back corner of the booth. Wasn't very popular. Was, I thought, very fun. What did you think? I thought it was pretty fun. It was pretty much what I expected. Frantic, camera-stopping gameplay. But what I thought was really... Well, it's not at all what I expected, which is what's weird. Um, well, I thought you would like... <laughs> One thing that I didn't expect that I thought was kind of cool was just um, the kind of um, interaction you could get with people that are just on the couch, which I just thought like just gave it to, more appeal to me because it's like, oh, it's something that I could play. That I was could like kinda... Game of Mario in that regard. Huh? Like Game of Mario in that regard. Where even if you're one person playing the game, other people's input helps. Yeah, because in that sense, I, I mean, I could see it being really challenging if you're just like doing it by yourself, just moving your like, head back and forth, up and down, up and down, which... Yeah could get like kind of well should we back up explain how it works because this game hasn't been seen since e3 2014 and again this was the first day deb- this was the debut of this star fox garden this current form world debut of it was here so should we explain how it worked real quick do you want me to or were you going to sure well, well go ahead there you go. <laughs> okay uh so basically in a nutshell you're giving me a funny look. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you going to? I just didn't know how much people knew. In a, in a nutshell, this got real awkward. No, uh, in a nutshell, basically how it works is you have these um, 12 different views on, on the TV. On your gamepad, you have a map with 12 different cameras, and it's up to you as the player to watch those 12 monitors on the TV and tap the cameras on the gamepad 
when you see an enemy start approaching one of those cameras. Because you want to prevent these enemies from getting to the core in the middle of the level and destroying Uncle Grippy's mining process. Because he's mining for items, you see. So that's what uh, Angel was alluding to when he was saying, like, looking back and forth between the two screens. Because you have to watch what's happening on one screen while also jumping around on the bottom screen with your finger and moving the cameras and that sort of... Because you can actually slide the cameras around before the level starts. And it's, yeah. Yeah, the so camera ahead. double with your turret, so when you're looking yeah. through a camera, or when a camera is your main camera, you could move it fluidly and shoot at stuff, but when your cameras are not, like, w when you're looking at the other 11 cameras, I guess they're, like, at 10 frames per second. They're, like, at a really low frame of the... the intentionally. Camera. Like, intentionally. Yeah. Like, but, um, so, just to kind of give you... To kind of make it harder to judge, like, how fast the robots are going, so you just kind of have to, like, move between them really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought it was just kind of fun, like, oh, if you have a few people there. Like, I had one friend just um, kind of watching over my shoulder as I was playing. And it was just, like, kind of telling me, like, oh, there's one at 11, there's one at 12. It made it extremely easy that way. But it was a, lot more, it, it was a lot more fun yeah. playing that way than it was by yourself. I played by myself with just the help of the very friendly Nintendo rep. And between the two of us, we couldn't nail them all. But uh, I, I, only, I tried four levels, I won only two. But, yeah, or it, I lost two, I should it, say. It can, it can be hard. There are some robots that take two... Like you have to destroy them yeah. twice to kill them, and all they need to do is to touch your base, your core once. I thought it was going to be a situation where they're hitting your core for a few seconds and you see a little life bar deplete, but it's just one touch and you're dead. Yeah, yeah. as soon as Uncle Grippy loses any of his mining material... I just like saying Uncle Grippy, I'm sorry. As soon as he loses any of his mining material, it's game over. But yeah, I we should probably specify there's actually two parts to this. So when you first start the demo, or the level... You actually get to put the camera... It's like, here's your level layout. Here's where we place the 12 cameras. Would you like to move them? Just drag them around on the touchscreen. So if you think like, oh, there's a blind spot over by camera 5, and you put a second camera there, you can do that. But then, of course, you're missing a camera where that was. So there is a little strategy that way, but mm -hmm. I found it easier in the four levels I played to just leave them where they were. And I tried one of each difficulty, so easy, medium, hard, and then the second one, that's just like a weird thing. But yeah, I found that as a lot easier just to let the game tell me where i put them and then just kind of snipe with the turrets when the time came yeah you also see silhouettes around the map that tell you mm -hmm. where the robots are going to be coming from like yeah. before you even start so at least you know like all right it's gonna be more on this side so i could afford to put them more on this side than just yeah. yeah yeah which is where the strategy comes in because originally when we first talked about the game and why i remembered from e3 two years ago which you know just seeing videos and stuff which is now wrong i realized is i thought the majority of the game was you have to move the cameras as the robots march in and then they auto snipe but it's actually not at all that. It's kind of the opposite, where you lay out the cameras, and then once the game gets going, it's, like you said, super frantic, and it's just up to you to micromanage them and know exactly which camera to go to at which time. And once you're on the camera, you hammer the A button on the gamepad, and it fires. Yep. And you have to, and you aim it with the stick. So, like, there's actually... It's actually very Star Foxy in terms of, like, the action versus puzzle elements, while I originally thought it was going to be more of a puzzle game. So that kind of surprised me. But I did really like it. It was fun. Yeah, it's just like a different take on tower defense. It was interesting. Yeah, it's a Nintendo fied tower defense. It's a it's a dual screen tower defense. It's a gamepad tower defense. But what uh, that was kind of cool is as you play more and more of the game, you discover as I I got to do this because the entire rep, I literally to the rep was just like, so show me the craziest stuff this game has, and he was just like, okay, well here's these robots that like there's like tiny ones and big ones, but you can't see the tiny ones on the camera very easily, so you have to just check spontaneously and hope you like see them wobbling in. Or like, there's he was saying he didn't show it to me, but he's saying there's somewhere like you shoot them and they explode into a bunch of tiny ones. So then, but they take a minute, like it's a class smoke, and then they appear. So you have to like shoot it, leave to go deal with someone else, come back and hope you get back in time before the tiny ones start coming in. So there's like a, a lot of crazy micromanaging in later levels, but and some have smoke bombs and some just straight up explode and some have delayed detonations and. 
there's a lot of different enemies, so that seems kind of cool. Um, we both independently asked him about the online component. Yep. Yeah, you are. He just said that there's nothing planned beyond just setting the robot pattern, setting, creating the waves, but nothing as far as creating the maps. So you'll be able to online, I guess, not put together a level, but take an existing level and say, have all the enemies come in from the left, have them come in from gate number three, four, five, whatever it may be, and that element is up to you to decide, well... He didn't outright say it's not going to happen. He just basically said nothing to announce. And since the game's out in two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks, it's probably safe to say it's not happening. Yep. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. It was fun. What What's your What's your assessment in terms of, like, is this still justifying guy, buying the whole thing for you? Or, like, uh, are you I did cancel my pre-order. Right. After playing this. Um, because I'm probably just going to only get it on the eShop. After watching... Enough Star Fox 64... Oh, my bad. Star Fox Zero gameplay. That was... (laughs) Gee, it's like you thought you were gonna... It's like that was on purpose. That actually wasn't. That actually wasn't. I'm being sincere. Um, After seeing Enough Star Fox Zero gameplay... You're not being sincere. (laughs) uh, (laughs) After seeing the gameplay of that, um... Yeah, I... I don't know. Definitely not your cup of tea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So, I... So I'm just, I'm just gonna, yeah, talk about what you saw, and then I'll talk yeah, about I'm, what I'm just going to download it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were yeah, going to download Star Fox Guard. Yeah. Well, you also, part of the reason you're getting the package, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, you want that Star Fox patch that comes with the game stuff. Oh, yeah, order. now that I have... And like, I have about 12. Yeah, now that I have... A, um, yeah, if so. the shipping of the patch wasn't like $7 more than the patch's actual value, I'd say we should give some away on the podcast, but... Maybe we'll figure something out. Stay tuned in the next few episodes. We might figure out a way to get you guys some patches. Well, I have to, have to make... Some of the patches are already. I have some. Before. I have some extras too. Yeah. Well, we'll okay. we might figure something. No promises. No promises. But just they're pretty cool. Keep listening to the Random Time podcast. You never know what might happen. Um, but random. yeah, so you watched Star Fox Zero and you were turned off by it. It seems. So what was your take seeing the new, essentially finished version of the game on the show floor? Like what? When you're standing there at WonderCon watching on those giant screens by the R wing demo units, which I'll talk about in a minute. What made you go? Yeah, no. Like what was um, that? thing what, one card i mean I, I still have to like i have to admit and like still admire like, oh, all right like the game is starting to look a lot prettier but i mean mm-hmm. it definitely looks like a prettier version of what was presented to me like it looks like they did as far as making 64 era design levels look very nice in hd and updated to today's standards yeah i thought it looked really really good i thought so too but it's that exact design and stuff that still turns me off of it so it's like they made it look really pretty but but the gameplay is still on yeah, rails. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not really too big on just on-rail games in general. Right. Like, even if... I mean, I mean, yes, like not the entire game is on rails and some of it's kind of freeform, but... They have target mode and all-range mode, Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know what, also? It was also something else that I also came to realize a few days ago. I was thinking about it from just watching that play and mm-hmm. playing other funny... Actually, I don't really like games that... Um, I don't really enjoy games that usually take place entirely on... A craft of sorts, like that are just that's like, such a weirdly specific thing. To well, <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say like airplanes because, like, yeah, like the dog fighting mode, like in Star Fox, or usually any kind of playing game, like, I just get <laughs> bored of really, like, I just can't enjoy being like in a like in a like a fine vehicle of any kind. Sure, I mean, yeah, I don't know why that, like, that's like the friend who didn't like Metroid that we were talking about before doesn't like Mario Kart, just doesn't like Mario Kart. Like, I don't know how he exists as a person not liking Mario Kart, um, but to each their own. I don't like overly open world games i don't like that much freedom i like a little guidance you don't like dogfighting it's it's fair yeah i mean it's fine in small space which is why i really like salt because it 
like it kind of let you play like oh i could be on the i could be on the ship like yeah i mean because i could be i could be having a lot of fun on the ship but then i get to that point where like oh i just want to get off and then i can get off but then in this one it's like you're just on it the whole time yeah but but you you raise a good point about the look of the game like regardless of what if you're buying or not it does look significantly better than it has before it looks it looks like an HDFI Star Fox 64, which is definitely what Nintendo is going for in the sense. Like, it has nice pretty water effects. It has good smoke effects. It has... The characters still bob like the N64 versions, but are much more detailed. And that's definitely, I think, on purpose. Because what I was starting to allude to before is... I was standing in line for 90 minutes. So, unless you have any other thoughts on Zero before I jump into my whole story. Um, General Pepper looks weird. That's about it. He does. <laughs> he does. Also, he gets kidnapped. In the very first level, spoilers, you're rescuing him from a tower. That's the first boss fight, which is actually kind of a nice riff on the original boss fight where the, the, the ship just kind of comes down and takes over Corneria. And this one, it's actually on the tower that he is working out of, and you actually have to rescue him. But, um, yeah, so I was in line for 90 minutes because they had these crazy R-Wing chairs. Like, if anyone saw photos from our E3 gallery or just any footage of E3 or photos of E3... Um, You'd remember, you might remember that Nintendo had this cool setup in the corner of their booth where they had like four R-Wings, essentially. They didn't have wings, but they were the cockpit of the R-Wing. They had like a dash with like all the instruments. They had like uh, these nice surround sound speakers, or not really surround sound, but these huge speakers set up. There's like a starry sky. They brought everything but the sky. and they, Oh, and they had like flashing lights. They brought everything but the sky and the flashing lights to WonderCon. So they had two of these R-Wings just sitting there. And you could go play Star Fox at any regular TV in the booth. They had two normal TVs. It's a 15-minute wait, whatever. Or you could waste an hour and a half of your day like I did and go play in these crazy R-Wings that were a much more, like, substantial experience. And while I was waiting in line for the R-Wing, and by the way, if you're curious about the R-Wing, we have a photo of it in our gallery from WonderCon as well, or actually three photos, four photos, something like that. So go to the extra of the sites of WonderCon on the site. But um, while I was waiting in line... All these people, and granted, this is somewhat anecdotal, but all these people kept, like, coming by and being like, Whoa! Star Fox! I remember that game! Oh, man, it looks so good! It looks just like my childhood! Like, this art style they chose, and doing this kind of reboot, reimagining, re-whatever, zeroing that they're doing, is definitely a marketing move. It's definitely going to sell the game. There were so many people that came by and were just, like, high on the nostalgia of, like, Oh my god, I love this game as a kid. It look whoa, it looks like it's different now, but like it's the same. Like this is so cool. Like yeah, it, definitely respect them. Yeah, like, it, yeah, it's working. It, it's it's smart. Well. Like they, that market that Lost Rafa sixty four. Like it's definitely big. Yeah, it's definitely big. So it was definitely smart of them to go yeah. that way and not like remake the one game that was actually good. But yeah. Wait, no, what? No, no. <laughs> you agree? No, 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 no. I was saying, yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, this one was good, too. To each their own, as we already said. <laughs> I know. But, <laughs> but I will say, the game's much better now at WonderCon than it was at E3. I played the same exact level that I played at E3 last year at WonderCon this year, specifically to see if my initial walking away impressions were the same or not. And they, I feel like they were better. There could be some placebo in there, but they did make some tweaks. Like we said, the game looks significantly better. There's more activity per in the level. Oh, you didn't look that happy. You, like, threw the gamepad on the ground. No, I accidentally got my foot tangled in its cord. There's a difference. Slam that both thing down. Are, uh, both are equally awkward, but there's a difference in that it wasn't intentional because I was talking to the rep about it and I was like, yeah, thanks, man. And then, like, I got up from the Arwen chair and the, like, cord was on my shoe and the gamepad just, like, flew in the air and then slammed on the ground. I was like, 
sweet. It did not break, so a not. testament to Nintendo's... There's a reason it looks like a Fisher-Price toy. It's just as durable. They are very durable. Um, but, yeah, no, the... So I, I got to play, like, a year ago now, and it's interesting how much has changed. So, first of all, Nintendo's very smart in that at E3, one of the main complaints is I don't get the motion controls. They don't feel natural. Someone teach me. Someone help me. And they just... Because at E3, they threw you in the level. They're literally like, here's Corneria, have fun. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. This time, they put you... They walk you through the training level before you get to do anything, at least when you're in the R-Wings uh, seats. And the training level is like a riff on Star Fox 64 one where they have Rob basically like, like, here's how I do a barrel... You know, Rob and Peppy are like, here's how I do a barrel roll. Okay, now here's how I do a somersault. So you get to learn that and really get comfortable with the controls. They first teach you how to use the gyro. Then they sort of integrate how to use the control stick separately. From there, it's like, here's how I do this attack, that attack, this move, that move. So it actually, like, by the time you get to Corneria, you're already comfortable with it, and you can just <coughs> judge the controls on are they good or not versus, like, do I know what I'm doing or not? You know what I mean? Yeah. So now that i got to do that, and they did, by the way, tweak the controls. Um, it's very, so how it works, if, no one, if you don't know how it works at all, it's, uh, it's basically dual stick. It's the equivalent of a dual stick shooter. So you have your R-wing is steered using the left stick. There's uh, left-right moves left-right, and then there's up and down, which raise and lower the R-wing, or you can have it inverse and do the opposite. Um, then you have the gamepad, and on the gamepad is the cockpit view, which you kind of need, but don't need as much as you would think in most of the gameplay. Only in the uh, new target mode, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, when you have the cockpit view, or, or when you have the gamepad, I should say, you then move the gamepad with the gyro to aim where your uh, R-wing laser is going. It's kind of reminiscent of how Splatoon works. Like, if you're used to the Splatoon control setup, where you're aiming with the gyro and running around with your uh, inkling, basically put your make your inkling into a spaceship and replace the paint with lasers, and it's kind of the same thing. So if you're comfortable with that, you'll be comfortable with this. It's not as extreme as people at E3 were saying. Or even, like, last year at E3, I was like, yeah, it takes a little getting used to, but then once you get it, you get it. After playing Splatoon for a while, this felt more natural, and... New in the final build and new in this demo that wasn't at E3 is a recentering button. You can reorient the camera like in Splatoon where it's like, this is now middle. How I'm holding the gamepad right now will be considered middle. You do that any time just by hitting Y or clicking. Yeah, I feel like for this kind of game, that sounds way more crucial than for Splatoon. Yes, and I did notice I used it pretty often. But it made it much easier, and I, I don't think... It still had a bit of a... Ah, I kind of, in some ways, wish it was just the one, like how Metroid Prime, you just have one stick that does both. I at times, I was like, it'd be nice if it was like that, but it wasn't a hindrance in the way that people at E3 were saying it was. It wasn't a hindrance in the way that the rumors were implying, oh, guess what? The game might get delayed because the controls are being tested and failing. They're not failing. They're much more refined. It's quite nice. And then the new thing you can do with these controls is that target mode that I was alluding to. So when you get to the boss in the demo I played on Corneria, it switches to target mode, which is like, the next level beyond all range mode. So, you know, you're on rails, that's the main game. You go to all range mode, you could fly around 360 degrees. You go to target mode, and you're, this is, it gets a little weird. It's a, this one, ha this is where the learning curve comes in. You have the R-Wing in all these cinematic swooping angles on the TV, and then you have the gamepad, and what you actually really want to do is basically use the gamepad's first person view to aim with the gyro and go, okay, I need to shoot this target, that target, whatever targets on the boss or specific spots. But then you also just have to keep an eye on the TV to make sure you don't crash your R-Wing into a wall while doing it. But the tricky thing is the R-Wing is always dynamic camera angle, so sometimes the wall that would normally be in front of you that you could see, you can't because it's showing you this cool front view of the R-Wing 
Like the camera's where the wall would be, and then you just hit the wall. So there were log cases, me and other players. I mean, you even content on this. There were log cases where, like, you shoot a piece of the boss, he starts falling down, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually under where it's falling, I need to get out of there before I get damaged. But, well, but luckily, the right stick does that. The boost to speed up and slow down... Yeah, the, the, the boost to speed up your R-Wing is now just a flick on the right uh, stick, which is kind of nice. They also mapped somersaulting to that, which was weird. So if you do, like... You do something with both sticks, and it does the somersault, or you just, or you just hit Y or X, and I found that to be much, much easier than trying to do this, like, weird stick wiggle dance, but, but yeah, so target mode's the one that's gonna take practice. The majority of the game feels fine with the dual setup. I have zero complaints. It's very good, better than it was at E3, but target mode still has a bit of a learning curve. <laughs> it's not bad. Like, at E3, I had much more trouble with target mode than I did now, but, and I think that's just because they tweaked the, uh, you know, sensitivity or whatever. But there's definitely still a bit... You're going to have a moment where you're like, this is weird. Especially because of the gap between the gamepad and the TV. Because um, how they had at the demo unit, they put two TVs m mirroring what you saw in your R-Wing. In your R-Wing seat. So you had the gamepad in your hand, but then directly under your TV was a smaller TV. Basically mimicking what... almost It almost looked like a 3DS made of TVs. Like on the wall. And that made it much easier to look between them. So it would be interesting to see when I'm in my house, like on my couch, and the gamepad and the TV have a noticeable gap between them of multiple feet. It'll be interesting to see, like, if I find it harder or easier or what. But, but either way, I'm I'm not too concerned about the game. Like, after E3, I was like, people are being too hard on it. But then over the course of the year, I was like, or am I being too soft on it? But now that I've played it again, I'm like, no, I, it's actually pretty solid. It, it'll be a little interesting at first to see what people think of target mode, but the rest of it is fine. I, I liked it a lot. I am slightly biased because I love Star Fox. But I was pretty happy with it. And it looks great. That's and the good. voice acting is all the old cast, which is very cool. I mean, as long as like, the people that are looking most forward to it are actually satisfied with it. Yeah. You know, that's but yeah, that's kind of like the how it works. So, um... Yep. Sorry, I was just taking a bar. But yeah, it's um, it's a fun game. It's, it's fun and it's cool that, like... There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to play uh, that you could see. Like they had the it was the full final game that was running, so you know they had stuff in the menus. There's like challenge modes and other things where you can, um, you know, complete certain tasks with certain vehicles. So that will add some replayability even beyond the the going through the main story mode multiple times for all the pa the paths. So there will be you'll get your money's worth. I feel like if this is the type of game that's up your alley. Yep. The final game we played, um, it's not. <laughs> People had some mixed feelings on this one, too, so much justified, and that's Hyrule Warriors Legends. And the main reason I wanted to bring this up, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but the main reason I wanted to bring it up was not so much because they had a demo there, because the game came out, you know, the first day of WonderCon, but because of all the other stuff going on around it that was at WonderCon. But since we're bringing it up, I feel like it's only fair we do talk about the demo for a minute. We have tried it. Like, we... Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, nothing against the game at all. It's just, um, I'm pretty sure, like, as I said before, um, Hyrule Warriors mechanics or just the way it plays it's just not my cup of tea like i just mm -hmm. can't get into it tried but it doesn't hurt that the 3ds version has like um i don't know it's just it's like stripped down for yeah sure. it's just like a less impressive version of a game that i'm not already fond of yeah so which made like i don't know, like i mean for a 3ds game i mean it looked cool like playing as young link running around was kind of fun but I don't know, like, after... You mean Toon Link. Toon Link. Oh, and Link. I said it both at the same <laughs> oh, time. Oh, okay. I did Toon Link and Tetra, because I was like, I'm going to do the exclusive ones to the handheld version, so... I don't know, but... Uh, but you didn't play either, so... It's, it's not for 
to the theater. I mean, I don't know. I was bored like after like three minutes. I, I yeah, just... the thing about Hyrule Warriors is you know, okay, people have played the Wii version, people have played Dynasty Warriors. They know what to expect. They know what they're getting into. It is strategic button mashing. Yeah, like, is the best it, way to put it. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like if you know you'll like it, you'll like it. If yeah. Now with that yeah. said, as someone who owns Hyrule Warriors. There's some things I think it does better, and there's some things I think it does worse. And the first thing I want to say, though, is it even on a new 3DS, they only demoed it on the new 3DS. They did not even dare demo it on the old 3DS because it would not run. That The frame rate on that's like 5, apparently. But um, on the new 3DS, in, th- in 3D mode, it definitely took a frame rate dip. Like, it felt slow, especially compared to the very smoothness of the Wii one. You know what's in funny? 2D, I played it in 3D like the entire time. Like, I never even once I flipped it down to 2D. And I thought it was fine the whole time. Like it didn't but feel... see, you haven't really played the Wii one, because the Wii one is extremely fast and fluid, and this definitely felt slower. Also, the enemies are definitely... I mean, everything's obviously de-rezzed, but the enemies in particular felt very, like, scaled down. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, but that's to be expected. But yeah, it definitely was slower. In 2D, it was better. In 2D, I thought it was fine. In 3D is where I'm kind of like, this feels a little sluggish. Like, it wasn't bad. It's certainly playable. It's not as bad. Like, some reviews of the game be like, it's not even playable, even on the new 3DS. I mean, like, the yes, frame no, it is playable. It is definitely playable and enjoyable. It's just not... I mean, sometimes the frame doesn't make fun. it slower. It just makes the animation look more choppy. Like, everything yeah. is still having at the exact same speed. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, sluggishness in terms of, like, it feels like it's, like... The thing about frame rate is... When I say sluggishness, I mean versus smoothness versus... Can you make it sound like... The game can't process what's going on, so it's like slowing down, like literally slowing down. Well, it feels like it's slower because you like you're missing animation frames, so it just oh. feels like things are skipping to keep up, in a way. All right, I guess is the best way to describe. But yeah, it just went from buttery to I can, not I can, buttery. I can see that. Yeah, but um, but that said, there are some ideas in here that are cooler than what Hyrule Warriors on the Wii U has. Like I give props for that. Like in the Wii U version, you can have multiple characters on the field, but you can't switch between them on the fly. In the 3DS version, even though they both have touchscreens where they could have done this, in the 3DS version, you can actually tap, like, if you have Tetra and Toon Link, like I did, tap Tetra, boom, you're now Tetra. Tap Toon Link, boom, you're now Toon Link. And it's just, it's instant. It's really nice. I'm saying boom a lot this episode. The word of the episode, no, I said it earlier, too, like, three times. The word of this episode for me is boom. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice touch to have that. And also, they have little Easter eggs in this one that weren't in the original, like the loading screens, you could play the ocarina. If you have the ocarina, that character with the ocarina, you can actually, like, ABXY will actually let you play music on the loading screen, which is kind of neat. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's like, you, if you're a fan, you know what to expect, and you'll know if you want this or not. If you're not a fan, I would recommend the Wii one, just based on the demo. But, but the thing that was more interesting than just the demo at WonderCon was that Nintendo in a very rare move, trotted out the developers of the game, which they don't usually do. So they had a signing with the game's director and producer, as well as a panel with the director and producer from, uh, they were the two guys from um, Team Ninja, Te- uh, Koei Tecmo. The, so it's not like Nintendo's own developers, but nonetheless, they don't often, at public-facing conventions, say, hey, here's a peek at our design process, and here's the guys that did it if you want their autograph. But they did it here, and it was, it was kind of cool. Like, the, the two guys seemed pretty excited about the fact that so many people cared. Like, they, they had a steady clip of sign, of uh, autographs the whole... They did it for two hours, and the, the, there was never a gap. They uh, they even stayed a few minutes late, which was kind of nice. And then during the panel, they definitely seemed... I would say take it back, but they seemed pretty happy that, like, people were into what was being discussed. So uh, the panel was kind of interesting. You were only there for the Q&A part, right? Yep. But I was there for the whole thing, and um, they didn't reveal any, like, 
I wouldn't say there are any revelations about the Hyrule Warriors and Hyrule Warriors Legends development process, but they did tell some interesting stories and anecdotes and share kind of design ideas. And you learn weird things, like, for example, um, you can't have someone swinging a sword directly at a consumer. They had to change the artwork of the box to have Link, he was swinging his sword directly down the middle, and they had to tilt him to have the sword pointing elsewhere to prevent it from having a rating worse than teen. Like, that was an actual thing. Like, if the sword was pointed at the customer, it's M or higher or something like that. Like, they just can't do that. So that was kind of funny to learn. There are other things, like how they decided which, uh, you know, like which characters to add, some backstory on Linkle and how they got to her design, some cool concept art. Uh, they actually shared a scenario, a Linkle storyline that never even made into the game. They had, like, storyboards and everything. Basically, when Link, Linkle, much like Link in a typical Zelda game at the start of Hyrule Warriors Legends, wakes up in her house and goes on her adventure, but they originally were planning to have a scenario before she woke up where she's in a dream where she's like, oh, I have to go rescue what she thinks is Link. So she goes into this cave, thinks she sees Link in the different, in the distance, and then somehow some sort of dance-off between Link... I don't know who Gear uh Gear him him of uh, yeah of Skyward Sword and someone else has some sort of dance off and then somehow Linkle's involved and long story short it turns out that the dance off is how she saves Link or somehow witnessing the dance off but the Link isn't Link it's actually Tingle and it was just the perspective of Tingle being far away that made her think it was Link because from the back they both look the same so then they have like. And that's it. Then she wakes up and you start your game. But that was going to be like a whole storyboarded scenario thing and they just never did it. But they like walked us through it in the panel which was kind of like... It's cool to see all these like rejected things that they make it into the game. Hmm. And then, you know, they talked about like, oh, we did this design but that didn't work. Or we had we gave Linkle ponytails so from the back she looks different and the reason she has the hood they could take on and off is because if you want her, you know, to look a little more like typical Link, you have the hood. If you don't, you have the, the ponytails. She's a crossbow as a reference to Link's crossbow training. Uh, like, all sorts of little anecdotes like that. So that was actually really cool, and I'd love to see Nintendo start doing that at, like, every convention that they attend. Like, imagine if at Comic-Con this summer they had, like, a... Which is Prime Federation Force? Uh, they get booed, unfortunately. Uh, I was going to say, like, a Star Fox thing. Or, like, or you would boo it. You'd alone be booing. But, uh, like, no, it'd be cool for... I'm trying to think what's coming out in the fall that would make sense. But imagine if they roll, if they brought out, like, E.G. Enuma to, like, reveal new stuff about Zelda Wii U for, like, a crowd of ravenous fans. Because I'll put... What I found weird about this panel, not weird in bad way, just weird like I expected, obviously there's going to be Zelda fans, but, like, they were really hardcore about it. Like, for a spinoff game, people were super into everything. Now, maybe some of it was them just, like, being overly excited fans, but, like... A lot of the stuff they talked about and revealed was very, like, got very strong reactions from the crowd. So imagine if they actually did, like, a real unveiling. They could recreate that E3 2004 moment where, like, they showed hmm. Twilight Princess. I mean, for the since they don't have press conferences at E3, just right. spread out their press conferences throughout the year. Yeah, just do, I mean, why not? Because there's this trend going on where E3... Especially for, yeah. yeah, there's this trend going on where E3 as a thing is falling to the wayside. Like, this idea of you need one central event to have all the game news is making less and less sense by the day because look at when Nintendo does a Nintendo Direct. Every time they do a Direct, they dominate trending topics on Twitter and Facebook. Like, it's everywhere. Do it during E3 and you're competing with what Microsoft announces, what Sony announces, what EA announces, what Activision announces, etc., etc. So this idea of, like, spreading out all your stuff throughout the year makes more and more sense. It's also why, like, Tesla just the other day revealed their Model 3, their cheaper electric car. 
they could dine at the New York Auto Show six days before, but no, they did at their own thing on their own terms so they could get more press, and it worked. It was everywhere. So I think, yeah, um, I think it would be cool if Nintendo did that. And actually, speaking of E3, it is falling to the wayside. Activision, EA, and Disney will not have booths this year, which is kind of interesting. Huh. Yeah. Disney claims it's because they don't have a new game. There's no Disney Infinity 4.0. Activision says it's because they don't really say why, but they don't have anything. <laughs> and they just have another Call of Duty and Skylanders. I think that's about it. And um, EA is doing an outside event the same week called EA Play. It's going to be somewhere in LA Live or downtown LA, and it'll be open to the public as well as the press. So they're all trying their own thing. EA's taking out, and Nintendo's been doing it for years. We got credit. I wonder if they'll make it worth our while. Possibly. EA Play. EA Play. Mm-hmm. Possibly. But um, do we play any EA games? No. But EA's, those rumors were that EA was trying to get on the Wii, on uh, the NX, so you never know. But we, we also need to credit Nintendo where it's due, because they did this first. They had the Smash Tournament and then the Nintendo World Championships as separate satellite events to main E3. So it's kind of cool that more companies are doing it. But the point is, yes, I like more press con- I like more panels like this, because it leads to a lot of cool opportunities. And you learn stuff, and you get to know what <laughs> what the developers don't know. You were here for this, the Kiwi Elder. Kikui. Kikui, I mean, Elder Kiwi. The Kikui Elder. Yeah, someone asked if they had even considered or any chance of the Kikui Elder making an appearance in Hyrule Warrior Legends. For those who don't remember, he's the little (coughs) dude from uh, Skyward Sword, like the little forest. Literally about to say that. Sorry. But, yeah, he he just looks like a penguin. Like a penguin with a leaf sticking out of him from the top. And it was just missing their reactions because they had no idea who that was at all. And he was just like, well, I guess I can't answer my question. And it didn't help that someone in the crowd kept shouting Forest Penguin. Because, like, who's the Forest Penguin? Like, thinking that as the name of a character. But, yeah, so that was kind of amusing. But but th- that's the other thing nice about panels is there's Q&A, which means we actually get to get developers to almost fess up to things. Like, uh, one person asked about the possibility of Vati, 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 yeah. Vati, of Four Swords becoming a playable character in Hyrule Warriors Legends. And they kind of didn't say no. They didn't say yes, but they didn't say no. But then uh, they, they started like a weird, like, well, we're focusing on handheld games for the DLC for this one, and he is from a handheld game, and there are others from handheld games, so stay tuned. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like that could happen. And then they out of nowhere were just like, yeah, we consider some, uh, in relation to the Kikui Elder, they are like, yeah, we consider some Skyward Sword characters. Groose. This kind of name dropped Groose. They didn't give any context. They're just like, yeah, Groose. We all vote on Groose. We like Groose. So it's like, is Groose coming to the game? What? So, like, it's kind of neat that fans are able to lead them to say these things, which doesn't happen normally with, like, a traditional interview or, like, an Iwata ask style situation. Yeah. So it makes, it makes the panels more fun. Um, is, I know this is, like, kind of rare for, like, Nintendo to have these kind of panels, mm-hmm. but is this commonplace you happen to know at all in Japan, or...? For, Nintendo trots these guys out more in Japan. I don't know if it's for panels, but Miyamoto has done multiple different events for multiple different games that are public-oriented. You know, like... The Mario 30th anniversary big band, big swing band concert. He'll show up, or like there'll be some sort of fan event for something. And oh, there's E.G. Anuma, or like Koji Kondo's doing a piano solo. So they do bring them out in public appearances more over there since it's local. Mm. But I don't know if they do full on panels like this. The only other time I know of Nintendo doing this was New York Comic Con last fall with Xenoblade Chronicles X. Hmm. But we obviously didn't go to that because we don't live in New York. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, I'd love to see them do more of this. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did mention DLC. Like, Vati is supposedly DLC. It might be DLC. Groose is, might be DLC. 
And it, I, it feels weird to say this, but the thing I'm most interested about in Hyrule Warriors Legends is the DLC. Like, I don't think I'm going to buy the game. But if I bought the game, it'd be to buy this other stuff. Because it's kind of cool how they're doing the fan service. Like, I always really liked how the original Hyrule Warriors was all this crazy fan service. Like, each DLC pack, it was like this other Zelda game that they thought of this random person would be a great fit, and it usually was. So for the handheld one, they're smartly doing handheld games, primarily. So initially, right off the bat, they're getting Wind Waker out of the way, which is not handheld. But the big initial push for Hyrule Warriors Legends is we integrated Wind Waker and we being them. What about so, the sequels to Wind Waker? Like Spirit Tracks and... They're coming, but they're handhelds. So that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, so for Wind Waker, you know, there's obviously Link, Tetra, Camera Lines are all playable in it. Camera Hyrule, same guy. All playable in it. And then they're going to put out uh, Medley as a new playable character. Uh, complete with a little harp. As well as a DLC pack sometime in May that has like adventure scenarios and battle maps and you know all the stuff that they've done for Hard Warriors in the past themed around each version of the game. But then it gets interesting because then over the summer they start ramping up with the handheld stuff, starting with uh, Game Boy's Link's Awakening getting a DLC pack. And this is where it's starting to dig deep. And they announced this in the panel is that uh, one of two new characters that'll be on DLC was revealed as Marin of Link's Awakening. The reaction from the crowd suggested people knew who she was, but I suspect most people did not off the top of their head go off the top of their head go like, Oh yeah, Marin, duh. Did you? I didn't recognize Marin. Like once they once I like looked up like a home, like, oh it's that lady from okay, yeah, but I didn't remember her name. I haven't played that game since I was a kid. Like it wasn't she's a character in it for sure, but I she's not like initially as 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 instantly memorable as say I can't even think of anyone. Any other... Uh, As, like, uh, the Lon Lon Ranch person, people. Like, I'd see a photo of them, I'd be like, oh, the Lon Lon Ranch people from Ocarina. I get that. But, like, Marion did not... At least for me personally, didn't grab me that way. But it did grab some people that way, so that's cool. But, uh, yeah, so this DLC, there's Marin. There's another character who's going to be a new uh, weapon for Linkle. But it's neat that, like, they're starting to go deeper with the fan service. And then, in September, it goes further into what you were suggesting... They're going to do a DLC pack combining Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks into a single thing. And that's going to include new battle scenarios, new adventure maps, and a new playable character from those games. Lineback. My guess is either Lineback, a Phantom, or possibly Nico. Nico's a random one, I know, but hear me out. Nico in Wind, is in Wind Waker, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks. In all three. Like, is Lineback in all three? No, he's only in the two, right? Yeah, don't even, yeah he's yeah. in all three. So he not only ties into the DLC, but he also doubles back to the initial Wind Waker tie-ins when the game launched. So it's like a through line even more so. But I don't know what his abilities would be. Because like in, in Wind Waker, he's just a pirate. And in the other ones, he's just an old guy telling the tale of what Wind Waker was or just giving advice. He doesn't really have skills, I guess. But he is a through line between all three games. So if they want to really put a bow on it, that might be a way to do it. But I think linebacker's probably your you're probably right. That's probably who it's gonna be. Mikey seems like the safest bet. Yeah, yeah, and he has a he has a following. He's already somewhat popular. Yeah, he has a gun. He has a gun too. Well so does Nika or yeah, Nika's a pirate. He has a gun. Yeah. But but yeah, but you know what's interesting is they actually said during the panel that even with with all this Windbreaker stuff, they purposely decided Tetra is only Tetra. Like there is no Princess Zelda as far as I'm concerned with the Tetra character in Hyrule Warriors Legends. Like obviously there's the she does she is, but um, in terms of how she plays, in terms of what she looks like, the only references are her weaponry look a bit we a bit regal, and little things like that. But she is Tetra because they already have a Zelda, so they don't need two of them. 
So, like, that's the type of stuff you get for the power. It's just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. We already have a Link. We don't need three of them. Yeah, that kind of, yeah. But uh, I guess they figured Link's Link. He's a little different. Well, then they're like, you count Linkle. But then they're like, no, we, we already have one Ganondorf. We don't need this other Ganondorf. Well, actually, this Ganondorf also has two blades. So, I guess that's why yeah. they made him. I don't know, would have been cool to at least skin them with Toon Ganon. I, I think, I think, yeah. I, I feel like they didn't go deep enough with the Wind Waker stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm hoping that, like, maybe the Spirit Track Phantom Hourglass DLC is going to be Nico because at least he ties back to Wind Waker directly, too. But who knows? And then the final DLC in November is Link Between Worlds, which I don't recall. I guess the original Hero Warriors had Skyward Sword stuff, but Link Between Worlds feels very fresh to be used as DLC. And we don't know anything about it except there's going to be two new playable characters and all the other Bowsonaros adventures. Uh, I'm hoping the 2D hieroglyphic Link guy somehow becomes a playable character. I don't know how on earth that would work. It makes zero sense. But it would be really cool if it actually did work. So that, in a nutshell, is kind of what we're seeing coming down the pipe for Hyrule Warriors Legends. And the point of me saying all this is I think it's really cool that Nintendo and uh, Team Ninja are actually doing this much fan service even still like at the time with Hyrule Warriors Legends or Hyrule Warriors it was like oh cool it's for the anniversary that makes sense but now it's like oh wait no it's an anniversary again isn't it yep it's a 30th anniversary so well there we go that's what they're doing again but it also opens the door for all sorts of other interesting possibilities because you know Minish Cap the Oracle of Seasons and Ages games um, Four Swords it's all fair game if they decide to keep the season pass, or if they decide to keep the DLC going, it, you know, because if you get season pass, you're just getting these packs. They could do a second season pass with more packs, depending on how this sells, or you could buy them individually, or whatever. But the point is, they could keep doing this forever. And based on the fan questions during that panel, it seems like there's demand for a lot of those characters to just keep on coming. Hmm. But yeah, so that that's kind of my two cents on Hyrule Warriors Legends. Um... But that that's not the only thing that's being continually updated. The other thing is, of course, apps. And Nintendo is now fully in apps. So, um, I guess to be honest, we're recording this episode only one day after Mitomo came out. So I don't know if we have like the best of full impressions of the game, but we should probably talk a little bit about what we think of it as like, an early, early impression. Because it's certainly, I'm having a lot of fun with it. The question is, how long will that fun last? Is there enough to keep you hooked or not. So, how are you liking it? Um, Have for a day. It's fun. I'll definitely say that it's definitely, again, that you should only play in short bursts. Because I tried, um, I spent a lot of time today waiting for a package to arrive at the UPS. <laughs> so, I was just, like, sifting through answers that people said on Natomo. And, I don't know, after, like, ten answers, I, I don't know, I... Like, I kind of just stopped caring, and I figured, like, no, I should probably exit out because I don't want to just passively pass answers and not, like, comment or like them if I really do. Because I yeah. definitely, st- I, like, I, want, I think I might have, like, gone through two or three questions without just even, like, nodding at them, just, or just getting through, just going through the motions. And, yeah, so I feel like, honestly, I don't know if I'll still be playing it in a week. See, that's just on that. That's the nice thing about next episode is we can actually go what went wrong with it, what went right with it. But yeah, but right now, I mean, right now it's fun in short bursts. Yeah, right now it's just fun. Fun little things. It's funny what people say. Some people like take those answers and really go with them. Mm-hmm. Others just give you direct answers and it's kind of like, all right. The but. game feels meant to go viral. Everything about it. You can share your answers on Twitter. 
like as images. Me photos, me seems photo. like the real star of the game. Me yeah. photos, really. Me photos is a hidden gem in there, yeah. And I barely use it because I'm not good at coming up with funny images like that. But there are some great ones that are circling online. Like there's some really funny and somewhat inappropriate ones that are on the web. Yeah, people are placing album covers with me faces. No, mm-hmm. um, just everything. Everything's just being meified. Memes, M I I M E S. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, I agree that, like, it is something you definitely need to do in short bursts. Like, what I found is I check it in a similar way to how I check Twitter, like, throughout the day. Is I'll look at it for a few minutes, and I'll be like, okay, that's good for now. Or I'll go look at, like, the recent tab and see, like, oh, some new comments. No, uh, during the day it is. Really? I, I do my diehard reading of Twitter when I'm off. Like, at work, I'll just skim Twitter real fast, and then oh. I catch up at night. Gotcha. And that's how I'm doing Mutomo. Like, I'll just go through it and be like, oh, okay, a couple new comments, that's cool. Oh, let's see what this person said about this one thing. I see their head in the speech bubble. I'll see what they want. And then, all right, done with that. I'll come back to it, like, in an hour or two. So in, like, really short bursts, it makes sense. The downside is the thing is way more resource-heavy than, say, Twitter. So if I open it and I'm doing everything I just said for two minutes sitting at my desk or whatever, my battery's already falling in chunks. So I've noticed in the day, two days now, that I've had Mitomo, because, you know, it came out early Thursday, recording this super late Friday into Saturday. Um, In those two days, I've left work with my battery at, like, 20%, 18%. Normally, I'd leave work with my battery between 40 and 50. Mm. And I know there's a battery-saving mode, but then it's just not as nice-looking, because the game really does look good. It's like having an actual full Wii U Me experience like on your phone. With all the charm it's, and stuff from Tomodachi Life. Yeah, it has all the charm. It's basically Tomodachi Life 2. It's what Tomodachi Life should be if it had proper connectivity options with a broader audience through social media. In a nutshell. Like, it's, it's, the Facebook-Twitter integration is cool. I wish they let you integrate your Me, uh, Wii U and 3DS friend list. That's a weird oversight. But yeah, so far, so far, I think it's it's cool. So, the and the questions, yeah, so you gotta run with them. You can't just give one word answers. Like they give you two hundred characters. They yeah. definitely want you to have a little fun and give like a lengthy, silly yeah, answer from appropriate to inappropriate answers. Oh yeah, it's fun to read them. It's very one. fun. Yeah. So and uh, and the question now is, of course, like you sort of alluded to, are you gonna be playing this in a week or you're playing this in two weeks? It's, I feel like they're gonna need to build on it more. I mean, obviously, they're grabbing new questions, they're grabbing new Mitomo drops, they're grabbing new clothing, all that, which we'll get into next episode when we get full impression of what we think of it as a package. But as of right now, I'm like, I found an outfit I like. It's a t-shirt, jeans, and some Vans-looking shoes. I'm good. Like, how often am I going to be buying outfits? Um, although I did play Mitomo drop a few too many times in hopes of getting the pancakes to just wear pancakes. I think it's technically a dress, but they just look like a stack of pancakes. And I was like, I want to wear pancakes. I wanted the cat, and I got the cat. I did the not cat. get the pancakes. Oh. Yeah sad but uh yeah so yeah the real question is the longevity of this thing but what i will say is while we don't know what that will be like we can say that nintendo is doing quite well with mitomo as a thing at least in the short term and it means a lot about where things are gonna go next for nintendo's mobile i think because like case in point first of all mitomo was the number one trend on twitter all day the day it came out there was, like, actual breaking news. There were serious things happening. There was, a, like, another mass shooting of sorts in Virginia. It was, like, number one, Mitomo. Number two, Greyhound, which is where it was at Greyhound Station. I'm like, that seems backwards, but it says a lot about the power of Mitomo if it's still outranking breaking news. Um, then it also was number one on the U.S. App Store in less than 24 hours. That actually um, took less than half the time it took in Japan to hit number one. And in Japan... It's already gone on to be downloaded over a million times in its first three days. So here in the U.S., it did that in double speed, essentially. And then the night Mitomo launched, 
Nintendo announced, like that first Thursday night, Nintendo then said, oh, by the way, we already surpassed 3 million users worldwide. Japan had 1 million the last time they said about a week ago, which means roughly 2 million people, let's say a million and a half to 2 million, downloaded and played Mitomo on launch day in the West, wow. which is crazy. Like, there's some report I saw that I don't know if I believe that could be the fastest downloaded game of sorts on the App Store, which I have trouble believing because Angry Birds, but... Well, when Angry Birds first came out, I mean... But the sequels. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it picked up steam like immediately. Some people have to go on, like, what's Angry Birds? Yeah, but but the sequels, definitely, like Rio and Seasons and all those. But still, crazy numbers for Nintendo. Like, that's super impressive. Three million... Nintendo would kill to have instant three million people playing one of their games on, like, Wii U. And to top that all off, after the success in Japan, Nintendo stock has already gone up 8.2%, implying investors are happy, too. So it's... Mitomo is clearly an, basically an instant win for Nintendo at this point. Like, it did really well. And Wired actually had kind of an interesting interview that I was reading with an analyst from Japan who basically explained, like, what happened with Mitomo. Like, why it went from so negative to so positive so fast. Because remember when it was first announced, Nintendo stock tanked, and it was like, what is this? It's not Mario. Why is this not? Why does no one... What are they doing? They're stupid. And then here we are, 48 hours after Mitomo came out, and, like, everything's as rosy as can be. And he was saying that the reason is what analysts feared, which is actually something that we kind of talked about, is that Nintendo would go way too all-in on the uh, microtransactions. And they sort of do. He noted that they're actually... Microtransactions were $78. You could buy something for $78 in the Japanese version. Mm -hmm. I don't know what translates to here. And on top of that, like, they have the Pachinko game, which is Mitomo Drop. They have, you know, you pay to play that if you run out of coins or tickets. They have a shop where you can buy outfits for as much as the equivalent of $5. Like, there's a lot of, if you don't have the coins, like, there's a lot of easy ways for people to pour absurd amounts of money into little virtual things. And in Japan, at least, that is a, and actually, no, around the world with apps, that's a very key strategy. They call it whale hunting. The idea is most sane people, you, me, I assume our listeners, do not pay $78 in Mitomo for a chance to get a pancake dress or whatever. But there are a few enough people who will, or whales, who put a lot of money into it, that they basically sustain the entire thing and keep the entire thing afloat. So, like, if you and me spend, let's say, four or five bucks on Mitomo over the next year, that's fine, because someone somewhere is spending $300 to get whatever little hat they really want. And between all that, it keeps the game afloat and keeps Nintendo making a profit. Hmm. So that was what apparently investors were more concerned. Well, they were concerned about the Mario thing, but then their bigger concern was like, what's monetization going to look like? And for better or worse, it, Nintendo's going super all in on the mobile app develop, like de- mobile app mindset. Because back when they first did this sort of stuff on 3DS, as you may recall, Iwata was saying like, oh, we don't want to like overload people with like microtransactions. We want it to be extras you can get, not you know, like, you buy the game and then you get extras that you pay extra for that we always start developing afterwards. But this approach, it's like, you know what? This is how apps work. So we'll give you something for free and then we're just going to make you buy everything. Or you can try and earn it in the game, but that takes longer. And then if you really are obsessed with that pancake dress, you're going to you're gonna cave and spend real money. So if, any, if, if nothing else, Wired pointed out that this is almost kind of like a litmus test for it's. But not the, the closing line. The article is kind of interesting because it's like it's a litmus test, not for can Nintendo make mobile games, but for can Nintendo become a mobile company. And the answer seems to be yes. Hmm. They have successfully 
navigated and mastered, it seems, the money-making scheme of a mobile app. Thank you, Dina. DNA. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's DNA is doing, I suspect. But it's 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 a little concerning because it makes you wonder what they're going to do. They're going to split their divisions even further. Well, not so much. Possibly that or, like, what happens for the next four things, the next four apps coming in the next year that Nintendo's been saying, like, oh, these might be a little more traditional games in that regard. Like, remember when some investors like Nintendo should make people have to pay a dollar to make Mario jump? This was a couple mm. years ago. We're not that far from it anymore. I don't think Nintendo's gonna go that crazy, but, like, is it that absurd now? After seeing what they're doing with Mutombo, to speculate that, like, you may unlock, you may be able to buy new power-ups for Mario in a Mario game on you, a mobile phone, you know not what, on Nintendo. You know what I can really see it being? Like, um, you're playing a side scroll, like an auto-run side scroller of sorts yeah. with Mario. Yeah. And then you're collecting coins, and pretty much you unlock, you could go, you could play the next level for a certain amount of coins, and if you have enough coins, you could just keep on playing, and you can wait for the coins to replenish or replay levels to right. get more coins, but if you just want to get to the game, you have to pay. Yeah, I can see them doing that. I mean, that seems reasonable. Yeah, and but, what's in, but what I think, what I'm hoping is key, or I'm hoping is the case, is whatever s- crazy money-making schemes they do, like what you just described, that is only in the mobile phone stuff. Once you get back to the NX, the Wii U, the 3DS, it's the traditional Nintendo where it's like, yeah, we make DLC, but here's a full package game that has all the stuff ready to go for the price you paid. Like, I would hate to see the eShop turn into this. Because it works for Matomo, and you're used to it, because that's what your iPhone has on it, is that sort of game. But if if that crosses over, that's dangerous, I think. Yep. Yeah. But, uh... But on the flip side, they are going to keep updating Mutomo so people keep spending money, which means if they were to not do that sort of crazy monetization on the console side, at least they don't have to worry about losing money on the... You know, they, they'll still make money on the mobile side. So Bill Tran was saying in an interview with IGN, actually, that they already have a lot of stuff planned for updates. There's obviously new costumes and questions, possibly new Mutomo drop games, maybe entirely new changes to the game as a core... Uh, to, like, the core game based on what they see players using it for. So we were talking about how Mi Photo might be a hidden gem that might be emphasized more in a future update somehow. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this thing is a living, breathing thing. It's not just a game they pushed out there. It's very much an app. Or, if we want to make a comparison that I would love to make barely make sense, it's like Kanye's new album. The thing never is done. It's never done. I they, It's still not done. New York Times says he's still updating it, even though they just sent download, download files to everyone. So, Nintendo's Kanye-ing. Wow. Or Kanye's Nintendo-ing. Either, either way. But, um... But, yeah, it's... it's I, Like, I can see... I can easily see Mutomo having, <clears throat> like, furniture and wall decorations. Like, you go into... The, like, one of the key well, things is visiting. Room. Yeah, because mm-hmm. one of the key things is, like, visit, visiting people and going and seeing their rooms on your friends list. But there's nothing in there except the walls change color. And there's the me. Like in Tomodachi, yeah, that was like, one of the first furniture. Thing, that was one of the first things I noticed. I'm like, wait, I can't customize my own yeah. room to personalize it. I, I pick the music. That I guarantee you, they're gonna roll it out because I think their idea to address our earlier concern about uh, how we're gonna stay hooked, like what we care in a week, is every month or so they're gonna add new stuff. And they're gonna get re- yes, they're splatooning it. They this is the new Nintendo. <laughs> Everything's a service. It's not just a one and done. It's a service. It's like Windows 10. They're just gonna keep iterating and keep adding and keep Kanyeing. So, so yeah, that that's my guess. But I would love to have them do furniture. That would, that'd be cool because it also like Animal Crossing. It, yeah, it would full on cross on the Animal Crossing territory, like yeah. having a custom room with different furniture sets that could be retro themed or whatever. That that could be dangerous. 
that could be very dangerous. Um, but yeah, that IGN interview that Bill Tran did that I mentioned, he also shed some light on some interesting things about my Nintendo and Nintendo's plans for the new reward program going forward. Um, first off, though, probably discuss with my, how, what we think of my Nintendo, because that's now out, the new reward program, and I'm personally pretty impressed. I mean, what were your thoughts? Do you, have you poked around the site at all? What do you think? Yeah, I looked at the games they had. I mean, not impressed with the rewards, but <laughs> everything is still very, like, like, all right, it seems easy to use. It's friendly. It's a little uh, weird that uh, they have so many tiers of coins. <laughs> like Yeah, like, star coins seem to be, like, the ones you want. Silver coins are the ones that you're probably going to get the most of. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But it looks like out is the make a quota, and then you're, like, a platinum member or something for that year. So, I mean, at least there's that pressure is gone, even though I guess we never had it because we had such a stockpile of games at all times yeah. that that was never an issue. But Yeah, that's not a thing. But it almost feels like, I don't know, to me this current reward system feels almost more like Nintendo gamey than It the does others. feel like... It's very game... It feels like a... It, it, I mean, even though there's no more, at least for now, like physical stuff, yeah. I do kind of like that they're forcing all the digital stuff on you more because now I actually feel like, oh, I actually will be getting stuff from time to time. Instead of yeah. being afraid to get anything because, oh, this limited to 1,000 Kirby thing might pop out of nowhere and I might not have enough coins. You have to hoard them anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that they're kind of not, that they're not encouraging hoarding now by like, oh, here's a bunch of little stuff. Yeah. Just get what you want. But yeah, I, th I think that's a big plus. And also it seems like they're going to be rotating stuff a lot or adding stuff more frequently. But like even the layout, like when I went to the site, I was like, wow, this is very Nintendo-y. Like it feels gamey almost like. Gamey is a way to describe meat, but in this case... I don't know if you see that gamey. brick block on the bottom, you could just tap it. Yeah, and then you get coins, coins, or like there's a fallen coin that you could just click, and it was like, oh, you found one on the floor. Or even things like uh, your Mii's walking around, you could tap him and he yeah. reacts to you. Like, it's very... It feels like an extension of all the other Nintendo interfaces instead of just a website, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, there's also, like... The goal system, so there's these missions, which are basically achievements that you get for just, like, doing things. Like, anything. Like, you can get weekly coins just for going to the eShop. Or going to Miiverse. Or mm -hmm. answering a few questions in Mitomo. Like, it's really cool. And the whole thing... Well, I, well, I was getting it with the gaming thing. Is it reminds me a lot of, like, how Nintendo with Wii Fit is like, Hey, we're gonna make a video game out of exercise. Or Mitomo. Hey, we're gonna make a video game out of silly questions. Or now my Nintendo. Hey, we're gonna turn a reward program into almost a game you play. Because, like... There is this thing where... Okay, you know how there's Twilight Princess the Cross you can get now for a thousand platinum coins? Yes, I do. Yes, yes. That's one. Of the, that's an exclusive game to my Nintendo. It's one of the cooler rewards because it's exclusive to my Nintendo. So random, but... It's yep. super random. It's literally like stock screenshots and then numbers on, on top of them. But earning it is almost like playing a game in the sense like Destructoid, for example, put together this whole list of how you do it. And it's like, oh, well... If you poke around the site and you click the the block that you said, it's like a cheat code. Now, if you get the one on the floor, there's some more coins. And if you go on Mitomo and do this, 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 and this, you get some more. And if you link your Twitter, you get some more. If you link your Facebook, you get some more. And every little thing you do, you earn these coins. And it's almost like by the time you get close to uh, Twilight Princess the Cross, in this case, you can earn up to 900 Destructoid Found. You can earn up to 935 coins in a single day. And then you just do the rest of the next day and you get the game. It's almost like getting, like, figuring out a level of a game and then beating it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, yeah, I buy some stuff and then it's like, okay, I, I guess I get my game now. Hmm. But it's like, oh, if you do all these little tasks, all these little, like, side quests, 
you will earn the coins to get the prize at the end, to beat the level, to hit the end goal. So I'm guessing and hoping that Nintendo may do more of that going forward with Mitomo. Or not Mitomo, with my Nintendo, probably through Mitomo. But I just thought that's really cool at Nintendo. It's really clever how they basically took a very static reward system and turned it into a game in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's, it's like so Nintendo-fied. It's really neat. And then hand-in-hand with my Nintendo, of course, is the new, um, the new online eShop, which is now called the Game Store, and it's just integrated Nintendo.com. Uh, they essentially took the old Nintendo.com game database and completely swapped out all the game pages and swapped in these new ones that have, like, the ability to buy digital right there and right there. One thing I saw that was actually kind of neat is if you go to the game page of a game you already own digitally, it'll actually say already downloaded, like, on the page. Just like on the eShop, like they actually integrated that, which I didn't think they're gonna do. So it's pretty clean. It's nice. There's not much to say about it, but it's a nice layout. It's clean. The one downside to all this, and this is where the IGN interview comes back in, is everything we just discussed, all the coins, all the like tracking your downloads, all of that is strictly for digital. You get nothing if you buy physical, at least as of yet. Hmm. What uh Bill Trenton was telling IGN, which is why I keep starting to reference this interview, is that uh they're looking at it, and they might they might want to do it in the future, but right now it's just digital, which sucks for us, at least for me. I feel like he does, too, because we buy physical more than digital. Definitely. And we I feel like we had this conversation before on the podcast. We're like, oh, why aren't they rewarding physical? But the reason I now care so much <coughs> is because I got an email from Nintendo. You probably got it, too. Did you get the 200 platinum coin bonus for being a Club Nintendo member? Did you see how you entered it into the site to get it with a code? A generated code. Those generated codes are exactly how Club Nintendo used to reward physical purchases. The system is in place in my Nintendo. It already works. They email codes to people. Why can't they just print a code, put it in a box, and then when I go buy Star Fox in two weeks, I get my code and I get my points. Like, what is this? It's an artificial wall they're building and then saying, we're figuring it out. No, Nintendo, you figured it out. You're just trying to make more money off digital purchases and in the process kind of leaving out us physical purchasers who are giving you the exact same amount of money. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, you get a, a physical CD. That's your reward. I guess. I guess I guess like the real... If they all be real picky, I mean, they'll be like, well, our profit margins are, are higher I mean, on the I digital guess, purchases. Yeah, and I mean, you're paying the same amount, but I guess you could argue, like, on one side, you're, you don't have something physical to hold, so I guess that's maybe a way to compensate for that. I, I mean, because I mean, you have the same. I mean, nothing stopping you from also getting a digital. So your twenty dollars. So you're saying, oh well. Oh, you mean instead, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm just saying, like, if I'm putting down the same sixty bucks as that guy, shouldn't I get the same credit? And shouldn't on my he also Nintendo? get a game case also mailed to him then? No. In the CD. No. No. You oh, you're saying I'm choosing either I have a physical CD in case, or I'm choosing to get credit for other perch downloads. It should, it's yeah. either or. I think the reason that I, that I don't like that idea is because it was not an either or for the past decade and a half. Stop living in the past. I'm, I'm not, but they, this, this I am. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, there's no... Take it at face value. You're not entitled or... No, I'm not. To I'm any not. of these rewards. And the fact that they're saying they're going to do if it they want to give you, nice. If they want to give you rewards for digital stuff, then yeah, cool. If they don't want to give you rewards for buying the physical stuff, then As all right. someone who buys physical, I'm surprised you're so understanding of this from there. Anyway. I don't know. I, I guess... I don't know. 
No, it makes sense what you're saying. It's just kind of like I guess in the main. I'm trying not to feel like I deserve them, even though like even though you do. No, because I mean, well, not the wrong way, the wrong wording. Um, I'm just not expecting them. I'm choosing to not expect rewards anymore for like buying these games like if I get the game I'm just gonna get the game and that's it See, I'm expecting if I get anything the, else cool I'm expecting the reward because sometimes telling me there are rewards if there were no rewards I wouldn't expect the mm. rewards but the fact that there are rewards See, but, but they're not that, my that rewards for disappointment though which... well no no because no, what I mean is like Nintendo's literally like join my Nintendo be reward for your game purchases and it's like yep I just purchased one where's my rewarding and then they're like no not that game purchase the other game purchase it's just like what <laughs> like that that's all yeah but, I mean, ultimately it will be there, and we have talked about this before. It's just kind of like, the system's in place. They say it's going to happen. Why don't you just pull the trigger? Like, we, I literally use the exact system they'll probably use the day my channel <clears throat> launched. Like, it's not that hard to just do that extra step. But I guess it is. Or perhaps they want higher profit margins. Mm-hmm. Either, either way, I can't, I can't fault them too much. It's kind of like, this is silly. I mean, I'm just curious to hear, like, what their reason is. Like, what their actual reason for just... They they no. go trying to get one. It's not no no no. It's not no, Bill's fault either. Like, no, I'm not, no, they haven't. I'm not like I'm saying you... he's to blame. He's just co- t- uh, no, I'm curious what the behind lines, closed doors answer is. Profit margins. Huh? They make a lot more money off digital. They have to print cartridges. I mean, yeah, they have to print 3ds cartridges. They have to make discs. Right. They don't have to make so boxes. They, they don't have to ship. They don't have to give a cut to Best Buy. They don't have to. So ultimately, they just want everyone to stay away from. Ultimately, they want everyone to go digital. But that's also kind of tricky when you're console has only 32 gigs of memory mm. this is more geared towards the nx where it might have expandable memory granted you can add a hard drive to the wii u i should say that but which you basically have to at some point yeah yep or you're like me and your wii u just self-destructs itself basically and you have to get a new wii u and it erases everything so you just start with new games at that point you never use a hard drive because it just keeps erasing itself. Well, not much of a loss for you though right well <laughs> yes and no i didn't make a lot of I didn't make much progress in many games, but I made a lot, a little progress in a lot of games. Does that make sense? Like, I, I made my way a little bit into a lot of games. Oh, no, yeah. You, you played every combining game you bought. All that, combining all that would be the same as being a few games and losing all of it, I'd say. Just more diversified. I diversified my portfolio. <laughs> I, I, I get what you mean. But, yeah. So. I didn't make it far, but gosh darn it, I don't want to play that section again. Well, it's kind of like, do I really want to go back and unlock all the characters in Mario Kart again? I don't play it that much on my own Wii U anymore, but it's kind of weird if I boot it up to be like, where's all my progress? No, no, That's especially if a yeah. character you like has to be unlocked. Exactly. Do you exactly. play the character that needs to be unlocked? No, but I understand <laughs> your point well. <laughs> Smash Bros. might be a better example of that, actually. Well, who do you use? No one, but it's an easier sell. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I think you have to unlock Lucina, which could give you some... No, room. Lucina's there from the start. If not, then Lucina. I'm pretty sure you have to unlock Lucina. I remember because I now just play it here at your place, and yeah. Lucina's there. I'm like 90% sure you have to unlock Lucina. I think Lucina. you're right, actually. But anyway, yeah, so that's Club Nintendo. That's my Nintendo. That's Mitomo. We'll have more Mitomo on the <coughs> next episode. But Mitomo and my Nintendo is only half the app story of the last few weeks. The other half is that Pokemon Go is getting more info, both official and unofficial. Uh... We're starting to learn what will actually be and how it will actually work. It's not exactly Pokemon in the normal sense. So on the official side of things, we now know the basic gameplay flow. And uh, we've seen a bunch of new screenshots. And the thing that I noticed immediately was this is not quite augmented reality. Yeah, there's probably some AR stuff, but really what Pokemon Go is is a GPS game. Like, the maps you see are all cartoony and whatnot. The... Um, the battles seem to take place on, like, generic grass, not, like, the view you have in front of you on the phone. At least not in the screenshots they showed. 
So that's something that's a little different. And, and it kind of works how you expect in terms of actual gameplay, even if it's not augmented reality. So you're, you're going to walk around, you're going to find a Pokemon, your phone will vibrate, your Pokemon Go Plus, which is that watch wearable thing, will light up or whatever. However you're notified, you're notified. And then you get to throw a Pokeball at the Pokemon. No battle. Just throw a Pokeball. And if you're lucky, you'll catch it. And if your Pokeball's not strong enough, you use a stronger Pokeball. And where do you get these Pokeballs? At the Poke Shop. Not the Poke Mart, the Poke Shop. The Poke Shop is location-based as well. It's going to be monuments and um, buildings of interest. But so, what if your city doesn't have a monument? Well, good thing you should ask. It's apparently based on the same thing that Ingress uses, which is the developer's original game. And Ingress determined monuments by any sort of public... Any sort of notable building. Post office. Museum. City hall. Library? Kodak Theater. Library. Like, anything that, like, Kodak Theater being now the Dolby Theater here in LA. Like, it could be a big thing. It could be Times Square. It could be Dolby? your local... The Dolby Theater here in LA. Oh. Uh, it could be... Yeah, it could be your library. It could be Times Square. It could be anything of any size that has its own little icon on a map. It could maybe even be, like... A Walmart, if your town's Walmart's that crazy, or if you have nothing in your town, I don't know. But yeah, so you go to the Pokemart, and you buy Pokeballs, and you use these Pokeballs to catch the Pokemon. That's about it. You can also buy eggs at the Pokemart, because, you see, sometimes you'll be walking around, and you're not going to find Pokemon. And they don't want to feel like you wasted your time meandering around town looking for Pokemon that you didn't find. So, every step you take when you have an egg will get closer to hatching, just like a normal Pokemon, and there you go, you get a Pokemon. And there will be Pokemon types that are associated with certain areas. Water types will be found by rivers and oceans, that sort of thing. But it sounds like they are not. They didn't outright say it, but the impression I got is they are not doing the type of situation where it's like, oh, do you want to catch a Mew? Well, you got to go down to the World Cup Stadium in South Africa where you could find it. Or, you know, like that, that sort of thing. It's not good. It sounds like they might not be doing it quite that insanely. Yeah. Which is good for those who want to catch them all without having to hop on a plane. Um... The other thing that's weird about this one, or different, I should say, is evolutions. If you had to guess, in a game where you can't battle your Pokemon against wild Pokemon, how would you guess that evolutions would work? Where would the experience come from? If I, I, I honestly haven't heard anything about this, so this literally will be a guess. Um, either from catching a bunch of Pokemon or a bunch of the same Pokemon? Or second one, yeah. Oh. I, I didn't think you were going to go on to say that. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you can... I mean, if that's like the only thing you can do in the game, then it has Well, no, to there's be. a whole gym component that we'll get to in a second. Oh. But that has nothing to do with evolving Pokemon. Oh, you get to evolve a Pokemon by catching a whole bunch of the Pokemon. And if you luck out, one of them's going to be like, yeah, well, I'll be different now and evolve. <laughs> that's basically how it works. So the catching mechanics are very different from the standard Pokemon game. You wander around, you literally flick Pokeballs at Pokemon, you go to the Pokemon to buy more Pokeballs... And then when you have a whole bunch of Squirtles, one of them's going to be like, today's the day, I'm a War Turtle. Mm. And that's All of a sudden, it doesn't sound as exciting as that first trailer. Yeah, is. so that's, that's the part that's like, meh. But then things get interesting when we start talking about gyms. And this is the last bit of official information we have. And then it gets into the unofficial stuff, which gets really interesting. So there will be three teams you can join. They haven't said the names, but leaked uh, information says there'll be a red team, a blue team, and a yellow team. At a certain point in the game, when you level up to a certain point as a trainer, your trainer levels up now, not your Pokemon. Um, and it levels up based on Pokemon you catch and Pokeballs you use and where you go and that sort of stuff. Uh, when you hit a certain point, you'll be able to join a team. And then certain local landmarks, again, museums, uh, oil refineries, I don't know, whatever random things you have, they will become gyms you can basically occupy. 
So there'll be certain gyms for certain teams, and you as a yellow team member can go drop off your Pikachu at the gym, and if other people go to that gym, they'll be able to battle your Pikachu, and that's where the battles come in. Not sure how the battles work. That's basically where the official story ends. You, they explain how to catch Pokemon, they explain what gyms are, you can join a gym and then you defend the gym, and that's it. Now, luckily in Japan, they're already doing a beta test. So unofficially, while people aren't supposed to be talking about it, they have started combing through the, uh, uh, the APK file, which is like the Android, develop, the Android app file, and found all sorts of assets and found all sorts of things and have been quietly kind of leaking out, and not so quietly, kind of leaking out some other stuff. So the battle system, for example. All 18 types are represented. Now, none of this is 100% confirmed. It could change. It's all beta. It's all probably unfinished code. For example, only first-gen Pokemon are in there right now. There may be more down the road. People have found files referencing Snivy. But if there's only the first 150, why Snivy there? So, like, there's probably... Oh, Snivy. Like, IV. Oh, that makes more sense. I always called it Snivy. I, it's because I secretly really want him to still be called Smugleaf. So I just mispronounce it to make him change his name. Because that's how it works, right? If you mispronounce someone's name, they go legally change it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so Snivy or Snivy, whatever his name is, there's references to him apparently in there, but it sounds like it's only the 150. But for the battles, all 18 Pokemon types, current 18, including Fairy and Dark, are represented. Um, it sounds like battles only have two components, attack and energy. There's no status effects. Attack is obviously the damage you deal. Energy is what it takes to do the attacks. And something happens, and that's where the AR is. You can apparently battle over an AR overlay. I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty. I kind of read up on it, but like no one knows if this is the final form of the game. So it seems silly to be like, it will be this, only to then in two weeks say, never mind, it won't be, it'll be the opposite. But as of right now, that's kind of the gist. Is it's a simplified battle system. The gym system is where things get real interesting. The more you work through gym, you know, the more you defend it, the better Pokemon you have. That lets you be a gym leader. So it seems like... They replace the idea of leveling up your Pokemon with basically building yourself up as a trainer with these Pokemon you collect in the real world as kind of your tools to do so. Yeah. So it's definitely not Pokemon in the traditional sense, but it sounds like it could still be pretty fun in its own way. It's definitely more spin-off-y than the industry presented it, though. Hmm. Which, I mean, as someone who's hearing all this for the first time, what's your initial thought? Does that sound worse? Better? What you expected? I... Don't Are you totally know. speechless? Because it's just like, this is not all what you It's definitely less than what I expected now. So now, we don't know everything, to be fair. But so far. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I was still probably going to try it just to see how hard it is to get a chance out of Reval or something. Right, right. And there are references in the code to all sorts of interesting stuff. Like, apparently the code reference Google references Google's cardboard VR, so it could be a VR view, which could be interesting. Like, maybe you could see your gym in full 3D. Uh, there's an achievement system buried in there. There are, of course, microtransactions, which suggests this may be is most... It has to be free to play. There's no way it won't be. Um, so, you know, basically stuff that you'd expect from an app, kind of like we were talking about with Mitomo, where, like, obviously they're going to do the app approach because it's an app before it is, you know, more than a Nintendo console game. So I would be curious to see what happens. The, the big takeaway from the Japanese thing, uh, Japanese beta test or field test, as they're calling it, is that it is not done. It is crashing like crazy. It is not coming out anytime soon. It's probably late this year. Hmm. It's that's now that's not surprising. Like there's this whole wave of all, I would almost say backlash when it, word from Japan came out that this thing was so janky right now, and people are like, how? But it, it's the beta. It should be basically ready. Like what? Is the game to be that bad? I think. Well, little, little note to the internet. 
Beta has become a marketing term, but in its original form, beta is exactly what Pokemon Go is. When companies like Google are like, hey, it's Gmail and beta, the thing's basically done, and they're just using that so they don't have to offer tech support. When Apple says, they don't even use the term beta very much, but the few times they have, again, is so they can say, if something doesn't work, you don't need to contact us and tell us, or you don't need to like call our customer service line and get help. It's on you. You're using a beta. Like when they did uh, the iOS 9.3 public trial. They're not going to offer support if night mode does if night shift doesn't work in 9.3 on the public beta because it's a beta. But once it becomes official, then yes, if you go to Genius Bar, they will actually help you figure out what's wrong with it if it's broken. So like that's kind of what betas become. But these guys, Pokemon Company and the developers, are using beta in the real sense of the word. So yes, internet, the game's going to be kind of broken, but it will be fixed when it comes out, whenever that may be. And well, it's not quite what I thought it would be. I am kind of still interested and looking forward to seeing more about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be... I feel like it's going to be... It's still uncharted territory for Nintendo, so I'm still always curious like, what yeah. that offering will be like. I feel like it's going to be Pokemon another... company. Exactly. But. Yeah, both, really. They're both contributing. And the fact that they're both contributing gives me a lot of hope. I feel like this is going to be another Mitomo situation. Yeah, I mean, neither of them would let a product come out and then... They wouldn't let it come out if it wasn't ready. So. And they certainly wouldn't let it happen when it's a marketing tool for a franchise. This is just as much yeah, a way to get people po- to buy. Pokemon is too big Pokemon to let. To let. Yeah, too big like, to fail. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like I I'm pretty confident because Mitomo we had the same hesitation and then it was fun. Yeah, Pokemon it's a nice Go polished product. So yeah, I'm kind of expecting I, the same level of polish for this. I mean, it's Pokemon. Yeah, there's no way they're gonna botch it. So calm down, internet. I it's still worth being excited for. Um, so that's Pokemon Go. Let's see. Other half. I'm really curious if they end up integrating my Nintendo in there. Like, imagine the mission, the my Nintendo mission is all no, coins. No objections get. here. That would ah, which is a nice segue into the next thing. Um, you you actually brought someone up. So we have two little like loose news stories that don't fit the theme of the episode. Like we've been pretty good with like oh WonderCon and apps, but one well, of I mean, them is Ace Attorney as an anime. The other is the Wii U reports of Wii U discontinued. I mean, I literally just heard about it today. Yeah. They just tweeted out that it's going to be airing on April 2nd. I'm like, wait, that's tomorrow. Or yesterday when this podcast goes up. Yep. And I'm really really excited about it, but it's on Crunchyroll, so I'm wondering um, if you don't have a subscription, if I'll have to wait like a few days before I can watch it, or if it just won't be available unless you have a subscription. But I guess it's something I'll have to find out tomorrow, which I guess is yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. Or to get even trickier, it's now today. Because we're recording Friday night into Saturday, it actually goes live as of this, re- as of us talking right now. It goes live in um, thirty-four minutes. Mm-hmm. And if for whatever reason you haven't played, I mean, if you've played Ace Attorney and you haven't read the manga or kind of hesitant about seeing it as an anime, I would definitely recommend watching it, especially since um, I don't know, Ace Attorney is a series just because it's like an interactive graphic novel. It lends itself already really nicely to like. Uh, a text format and a visual format so I mean in manga it's pretty much like you're just playing the game just without the interactivity and for an anime it would be the exact same thing so they're already made for it it's so I mean I can't imagine they can't really mess it up so is it a is it a um, subtitle or dub right now it's subtitled I don't even think they've found or looked for a voice cast yet because right now it's literally just being hosted by Crunchyroll okay Funimation or the other company, which I'm blinking out on, hasn't they haven't localized it or like bought in it or gotten the rights to it yet. Gotcha. So for the time being, it'll just be. So if there anything, Wait, are they at least changing the names to English names, or is it could be literally like calling? Oh no 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 no! When, when they're sub, they're like um, officially sub. Oh okay. okay. So I guess a company does have 
Maybe like Funimation or something has gotten a hold of it. Unless Crunchyroll also does their subbing, which is maybe why it's exclusive to Crunchyroll. That, that, that would make sense for Crunchyroll to do. In the same way Netflix and Hulu have their own original programming, it make a lot of sense for Crunchyroll yeah, so to maybe like, they're buy charge, the rights. Yeah, so they would do the, the subbing. I mean, if we hear anything, it would probably be announced at Anime Expo, which apparently does do like pretty big announcements sometimes. So, yeah, as far as those animes go, so we'll see. That's cool that's finally happening. Yeah. It's good ramp up for Ace Attorney 6 later this year. And it's really just a retreading of 1, 2, and 3, the first three games, so... If you never played them and you don't really want to play them, I guess that's a good way to catch up on the plot and not have to play them. If you want to be incredibly passive about your gaming experience to the point where it's not even a game anymore, this I mean, anime is for you. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's basically... Yeah, so yeah. That's cool that's actually happening. It's like an abridged, ver- it's an abridged version of the game, I guess. Yeah. I can only imagine. It's like a book being turned into a movie. The game being turned into a show. Yeah, so all of a sudden we're just watching and going like, oh, they skipped over this part. Right, kind of right. Thing. But it is cool that, like, because I know you've been talking about this for a while, so it's yeah, cool Especially because the more recent games, well, the most recent game has um, full-on animated cutscenes, so it's almost just, like, fully rewriting that. I mean, they're right. already kind of there. And the newest game still has animated cutscenes, so... Right, yeah. right. That's the good well, that's news. That. Yeah. That's the good news in the other news bucket. The possibly less good news is, but not unexpected, is that... Um, out Japan can report that the Wii U may be getting discontinued any day now. Uh, so Japanese newspaper Nikkei, Nikkei, Nikki, Nick, Nick, whatever you want to call it, uh, reported that Nintendo's suppliers have actually already begun to discontinue the making of some Wii U components and accessories. Now, the, obviously game development's continuing on for it. Obviously, um, Nintendo's not dropping the system Dreamcast style, but what the newspaper says is that this is to ensure there won't be a surplus or a stockpile of unsold Wii U's down the road. They're tapering off production now so they can just kind of ride out till the NX and then then sunset it peacefully without having all these extra systems they don't know what to do with. The weird twist is that for once, Nintendo actually commented on the story. They usually say we always comment on rumor and speculation. This time they went, no, we're producing them at least for another, this quarter and the next one. Now... That way you would think, which means through summer, by the way. So that means you normally you'd be like, okay, there's no story here. But the newspaper in the UK in general is actually pretty good at reporting stuff. For example, uh, the DSi XL, the larger DSi, first reported by its newspaper. Nintendo denied it, then revealed it. The 3DS XL, first reported by its newspaper. Nintendo denied it at E3, and then 10 days later they revealed it. So, these guys know what they're talking about, and Nintendo's known for lying. Or not lying, but denying things that turn out to be true. So, it could go either way, I'd say. Um, which leads to the bigger question of, like, why was the internet surprised the Wii U's being discontinued? There's already many reports the NX is coming this year. Um, obviously, this is going to happen at some point. I guess from a PR perspective, Nintendo probably doesn't want it to happen, because then people that might have bought an, an, uh, a Wii U you know, in the next few months for, say, Pokken or Star Fox or Zelda might decide to wait. So I can see why Nintendo would want to distance themselves, but I don't know why the general gaming press was like, oh, there we go, it's done. Like, I can't believe it happened, because of course it happened. It makes sense that would happen. They need to start it makes for a good things. story. I guess. But they're treating it kind of like to a put surprise. Food on their table, too. That's true. And, you know, I guess whether or not it's true, at least it's kind of an interesting topic in the sense of, like, We've been talking forever on this show now that I think about it, about like, oh, the Wii U isn't selling well. Oh, this could be the last year. Oh, there's not enough games. The NX is coming out. Oh, NX, NX, NX. But we never actually looked backwards and went like, we've owned the Wii U since day one, both of us. We stood in line together at Best Buy for it. 
the things life is maybe maybe ending before its fourth anniversary or on its fourth anniversary. There maybe only twice where I felt like there's no games. There's like yeah famous droughts, but yeah, which which was kind of what I was getting at is like as people have owned it since day one, who will be owning it through you know who have will have all these games. Saw it through its infancy and yeah, we saw it through the year through the many months of firmware that takes like forty five seconds to load your settings menu. To the point where it's now actually pretty fast. We've been through all of that. Hell and back. Are we content? Like, let's say the Wii U is discontinued and 2016 is the end and the fourth anniversary is the final anniversary. Are we happy with the purchase? Is it money well spent? Is the game library good? Was this a good Nintendo system? Honestly, I would say yes because we've had it since the beginning. Right. And because we work and have income. If I was like (laughs) a... Say like a teenager that... Like barely saved up enough to get a Wii U because I, I really love Nintendo and I just yeah. got it, and then I hear all this and then like the next console comes out, I'd be pretty angry. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of a risk you run with any system later in its life? Although I guess it's for a normal system would not be later in its life. It's at least a year or two short. Yeah, because it comes to that point where they're like, because then even at that point, it's like let's say the kid is like, well. Well, read on his like Nintendo news, and he might just wait, and then he'd be like, "Oh well, damn! I I, I ended up skipping out on the Wii U." Yeah. So, I don't know. It just seems like it was only really worth it if you were on there from the beginning, and got to evolve, and got to watch the system evolve, oh. and then devolve as yeah, they dropped I mean, the gamepad. Yeah, I mean, there were pretty good games like all throughout, but then again, yeah. I mean, if you were if you wanted the Wii U specifically for Smash Brothers, then obviously you already you were, bought one. Hopefully. You're happy with it, but then you're still kind of in, a, like, shaky waters because you don't know if, like, like oh, well, this Wii U get an updated version of the current Smash Bros. If it doesn't, you're still fine because mm-hmm. that will still be the norm everywhere. But if it does, you know that, like, next year at EVO or the next big tournament, like, if you're playing competitively, like, you know, like, you're going to be forced to go to the new one because that's what they're going to use. They always use the newest hardware, the most yeah. stable, the most everything. But I feel like... To almost play devil's advocate, because I think you're right. Like, I think a lot of people that maybe bought a Wii U, maybe they, like, saw Pokin, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and were just like, man, I want a Wii U. It also has Mario Kart and Smash Bros. Okay, cool. Like, I feel like people that know the system but didn't buy it for a while because they're waiting on a game or, or waiting to save up, they have the ability to go back and play all this stuff. So, like, there's a reason that, like, there's when the price drops happen, is like, GameCube phased out or Wii phased out. The games were still there, and Nintendo then marketed it also as like a more budget conscious. Yeah, especially thing. now that there is download stuff. I mean, like stuff that you may not even be able to find at retail, you could just download it. And... So it's almost like even if you buy it now, as long as you know this thing might be on its last legs, which I think most people do that have any interest, it still seems like a reasonable purchase. I mean, I think Nintendo needs to drop the price, honestly. I think if you. Maybe not for the full price. That's what but... I'm saying. No, yeah, but if there was a. Well, sorry. Maybe for a decent enough price drop, like, yeah, they did. Um, you get a really good instant library of, like, ten really solid games. More than ten. No, I mean, at least ten. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Like, ten games that I feel like you, anyone can, like, yeah, and that's agree thing, with. That's the thing about the Wii U, is, like, even if the gamepad was a little bit of an unfulfilled promise, at the end of the day, there were a lot of extremely high-quality first-party games for this system, and some good indie games, and some good third-party games, but really, it's Nintendo's lineup that carried the system, because that's all there was, for the most part. But, uh... You know, some of the experimental stuff, Game & Wario, maybe not the best of all the WarioWares. But, like, Nintendo Land's cool in its uniqueness to the point that PlayStation VR is now basically doing that. You saw that, right? Yeah. Is it called Innovating? Yeah. My favorite was the slide where it's like, 
the person with the headset has a totally different experience than the three with the controllers. I'm like, all you did was tape the gamepad to someone's face and call it innovation. But, uh, yeah, like that, Nintendo Land's a really good game. Uh, you have multiple, you'll have multiple Zeldas with all said and done. You have Mario 3D World, Mario Kart 8, which is arguably the best Mario Kart ever. Splatoon, which is a whole new thing for Nintendo. The best Smash Bros. ever. There's a lot. Uh, even games that got, like, overlooked, like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was really solid. Like, there's solid content on this system. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe the gamepad fell short, but for me at least, being there since day one, I'm very happy with it. I don't know if it's my all-time favorite Nintendo system, but some of Nintendo's best work is on this thing, even yeah. if you ignore the gamepads, so. Probably still be GameCube. I don't know. Your favorite? Yeah, GameCube's up there for me. It's like it's weird because like yeah. N sixty four I have the nostalgia for, and I think the most games for. Like between GameCube and DS, I don't know. Yeah, Super Nintendo was also definitely the too early hard, too hard. The early days of the Wii, like early Wii, was definitely a very memorable period of Nintendo history for me because it was like peak Nintendo fandom in terms of like the the uh rolling into that launch, like, going into that launch and the launch happening and then Nintendo having huge success, like, as a Nintendo fan, that was really fun. But same with a lot of the GameCube and DS stuff, too. Yeah, that's a tricky one. But, yeah, I'm happy with the Wii U. I don't think... Like, if it's being discontinued, I think it lived the best life it could live. They could have dreamcasted it a long time ago. The fact that they didn't and they stuck through it, they, they fulfilled the promise to us, the people that bought the thing, by delivering us not just games, but super good ones. They could have easily just done, like... They could have done what they did this past holiday for the past couple years. They could have just Mario Power Tennis and Animal Crossing um, Amiibo Festival for the past three years. But they actually gave us... They actually kept pouring money in and did things like Splatoon. Granted for... And Super Mario Maker and, you know, all that. And granted, to some extent, that was Nintendo. Like, oh, we could probably get new people to buy the system with this and, you know, get to that $12 million they're at now. But a lot of it was also like, there are people that put down $300 on this console. They've been with us since day one. They they deserve an experience that's actually a Nintendo experience, and they did it. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm content. If it does get discontinued, which we'll see, up to this point, I'm happy. And the thing is, there's still more to come. I mean, uh, Star Fox is out next month. There's stuff like Tokyo Mirage Sessions this summer. There's Zelda later this year, presumably. And there's even still indie stuff being announced. Like real quick, that game. Um, you've heard of Axum Verge, right? Maybe. It's so basically. Have you heard of it? No. Nope. Oh, really? Okay, so it's PlayStation exclusive originally, but it is a massive Metroidvania game that a lot of critics are basically saying is the spiritual successor to Super Metroid. Like this is the, this is more of a Metroidvania game than Metroid. Like it's that, it's like so like perfect in that regard, and it was made by a single guy named. Um, oh yes, 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 yes Thomas know. Happ, and then it was shepherded. Mm-hmm. by uh, Dan Edelman, or Adelman, who used to be Nintendo's indie guru at Nintendo of America, and then has gone on to be a consultant. And this game got a ton of praise when it came out on PlayStation, and it was just announced the other, at GDC the other week that's also coming to the Wii U now with, you know, the usual stuff like off-TV play. It'll have inventory management for all the stuff you collect throughout the game, <coughs> the gamepad. It'll have a giant map, which is crucial for a game that is based on a giant map. So, like, my point is, by mentioning this, besides the fact that it's cool at this game, which feels like it should have been on Nintendo to start with, is now on Nintendo. My point is that um, the Wii U, even if these production phase-out, you know, ceasing production rumors are true, you're not just getting the stuff Nintendo already told us. There's still stuff like this coming out, and this is some high-quality indie content. So it, 
you're still being rewarded as a Wii U purchaser to this point, whether it's someone, you know, whether you're jumping on now or have had it for since day one, there's still stuff coming. And there's still stuff that just came out too, namely Pokémon Tournament, which I know you have a lot of thoughts about. Pokemon. And Pokémon Tournament is the type of game that, like, it's made to move systems. They are marking it to move systems. So, even, again, even if Wii U ceases production, you're still having these big-name blockbuster titles hitting the console, and Pokémon... It's just the latest example of that, and you've been playing a ton of it as a Pokemon fan, as a fighting fan, so I, I turn over everything to you. So, Pokemon for... Man, we, we, we use that a ton for those quotes. Um, so, Pokemon... Um, Wait, what? No, that, that would be the, for those that... Like, that expression. Oh, for those that. We yeah. do say for those that a yeah, lot. That, there has to be a nice... Oh, and to be clear, if anyone didn't pick up on this, we have now transitioned from news to what we're playing, and what we're playing is Pokemon. So, <laughs> Pokemon Tournament, it's a, it's a new breed of fighting game. It's, it's very different from anything that I've ever played before, because now you have both a 3D fighter and 2D fighter at the same time, and it sounds like a weird concept to wrap your head around, and it still kind of is when you first play it, but it does become a lot easier to, to grasp, and mm-hmm. it just makes for a very unique, and I guess a fun experience overall. Like, essentially... So it's broken up into the dual phase, which is the 2D, and field phase, which is the 3D. In the field phase, you want to, depending on the type of Pokemon that you are, you want to get to that dual phase as fast as possible, or on the other hand, you want to stay on field phase as much as possible. But we'll get to that later. And to switch between them, there, I guess any heavy attack or grab will switch you from field to dual, and when you're in dual phase, like any three heavy attacks or grabs and in some and in some cases maybe one attack from certain Pokemon, like Machamp has this crazy, like thousand punch thing that he does on you that takes away well at least on Weavile like half your health which is just ridiculous, and that automatically spits you back out into field phase. But so on the basic level, like, if you don't care about this game competitively whatsoever, then you'll really really enjoy it. That's and, me. And I and. In, that's what you're going for you just want to pick it up play any pokemon you want then i highly recommend it like, you'll just have a ton of fun it doesn't matter like um like the, it's the still other, a little confusing <laughs> yeah the, like it's a little confusing but like i don't know i feel like all the all that spectacle and the fanfare of just like going between those two things and just how the attacks look mm-hmm. like i don't know it, it's just fun enough just to like pick up and play that you'll kind of just enjoy what's going on whether you're winning or losing and it's, and i lose often and i do enjoy it but uh, but that's that, that's like on the on the surface level. When you start getting to, um, I guess the I don't know. I, I guess I was like, I, I I entered the game just kind of looking at it from like, all right, is this the game that's gonna replace Smash Brothers or like well, I really want like to just like get on this game while it's like brand new. So you want a competitive fighter? No, oh, yeah. And you went in going, I want a thing I can sink sink my teeth into is like a real competitive experience versus just a game. No, oh, yeah, yeah. and and it does deliver that. It just takes. It's definitely going to take a long time to get there. Like, I feel like I'm only, like, barely, like, starting to, like, wrap my head around, like, just, not just its own fighting mechanics, but just trying to get used to, um, more traditional fighting mechanics. Because I've gotten so used to Smash Brothers, like, more freeform, like, there aren't exactly combos in Smash Brothers, like, you can, some characters that can straight up combo into other attacks, but the game is very, um... Oh, I hit my opponent right now. I could just do this and that. I don't know. It's very loose. It's feel yeah. It, it, you kind of segmented. Is that a good way? I don't to know. You, you kind of just like 
do things as they come up. Like, yeah. you kind of just, like, you attack on the moment, like, depending on what your opponent's doing. There's you no flow. Yeah, you don't really go in going, I don't know, you don't, I don't know. Sometimes you don't even really go in with an attack strategy. You just kind of throw stuff out and you just kind of hit them and you know, one thing leads to another and you just kill them. I feel like that stems from its, like, party game roots, which was its original intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I like to say. It's more of a free-form fighting game. But yeah. but at the same time, I feel like with that one, I feel more directly responsible for my wins and losses than any other game. Mm-hmm. Like, if I make a mistake, I really feel like, yep, that was my fault, or if I win, like, yep, I really, like, earned that completely. Right. But this game, um, like, it's... They were advertising it's a pit, rock, paper, scissors mechanic from the beginning, and, and when I first heard that, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, every fighting game has that, like... A grab will be blocking, punching mm-hmm, will be mm-hmm. a grab, and like vice versa. But when you play it, it's like whoa! Like it's it literally revolves around this. Like it's it almost becomes um like once you start playing like harder people, it literally becomes like a guessing game. Like and and usually and most of the time you're not even like thinking about the guess. You're just like oh I'm all right. I'm gonna throw out attack, and I just have to hope that they're not holding a counter attack or blocking. And right. it's like, oh, cool, they're not. So I went through. It, it just, I don't know, that part, that part, I guess, kind of brought it down for me a little, just because it, it didn't feel like I was earning some of my attacks. It just felt like, oh, I just made a good guess, or they made a good guess. It Less just, it, skill, more random. It just felt like it was just like a quick succession of correct guesses all around. Right. But I guess um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's still because I'm still getting used to the game overall. Cause it's still like, I don't know. It's just so different from any other fighting game that. Like, combos don't really even matter too much in this game because you don't really have to memorize long strings of combos. Like, everybody does. If you just, like, press X a lot of times and then switch to another button at some point, like, you'll probably do something that looks like an impressive combo, but it's just two buttons. Right. And everybody, like, I don't know, just does, like, a Actually, lot of Actually, I've done that. I can attest to that one. I've done some crazy oh, yeah. when, when, stuff, and all I do is, like, XX up, and I'm like, how did well, that like, when I was, this? Like, like, when I played against you in that first match, like, it yeah. felt like... Pikachu Libre, and even still, like, when you fight some Pikachu Libre, it feels like they just, like, attack you, like, nonstop for days, and it's like, wow, like, when am I going to get a chance to attack? The answer's never, Like you, how I beat you. You pretty much just get, like, juggled, and, like, it looks like, when you're just watching it, it looks impressive, but then it's like, you know, like, oh, they're just pressing one button over and over again. Yeah. And that's kind of where, I don't know, it's like a minor gripe, but it's, it's something that, like, other fighting games have that mm-hmm. I feel is kind of missing from this game, and that's, like, a way to get out of, get out of combos. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, obviously, like if you get caught in the combo, that you should you should have to like, suffer the full extent of it. But I think in Smash Brothers you have something called DI, where you could like if you're holding your C stick in a certain direction or the stick in a certain direction, you'll as you're getting hit by a quick succession of moves, you'll slowly move gravity to that direction. So if your opponent is still attacking you, you may eventually break off of their attack because they're attacking you in another direction. Right. Is that and, what directional influence is? Is that what the... Yeah, it, it, you're literally... Okay. I've heard the term and I've heard the initial, but I never... Yeah, it. you're literally influencing the direction. Oh, okay. so Yeah, that makes sense. That makes so, sense. like, if, like, I don't know... Like, if you're hitting me left with Captain Falcon and I keep trying to go right into you, I can then yeah, start going the, left the, and I'll drift away from you over multiple times. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Like, a, like a very common one is, like, a lot of characters have attacks where I'll grab you and throw you up, and if you... Depending on what way you move, I have to pretty much guess, like, all right, I think he's going to move to the left... 
and then I'll jump to the left and hit you. But if you don't press anything, you'll go straight up. Right. And I'll and I'm and it's like a guaranteed hit for me, and I may kill you. But you can influence the direction and change your direction and whatever. It's one of those things in Smash Bros. I feel like everyone knows to do, but no one knows what's called. No, like yeah. everyone knows to move the seats to get your find to angle it. Or yeah, people just like yeah, and it's and it's usually why you're getting hit. But yeah. that's but that's Smash Bros. So Smash Bros. gives you ways to get out of like combos that Hoping may kill you. And then also traditional fighting games. They usually have something... Usually you have to burn some of your meter that you build up as mm-hmm. you're playing to get, like, pretty much like a combo breaker. Like, you just, like, break out of a combo because you're sacrificing some of that meter, so pretty much you're giving up the chance to deal out a lot of damage just so you don't die. Right. And this one... This game, if you're... Depending on what Pokemon is giving you those combos, you will lose half your health in one combo, which makes yeah, matches last... Sometimes, like, less than 30 seconds. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, some matches classic than in Smash Brothers, but usually that's because the gap, the skill gap is really different. And this one... In other words, you versus <coughs> me. <laughs> and then you, and this one, it could happen anytime just because you made a wrong guess because you were attacking and they were countering or, like, it, I don't know. That, that's kind of just my thing with it. Like, matches feel too fast just because of, like, a guess. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. Here's a question for you. I noticed when I was playing it, in, so it's like a traditional fire. It's three rounds, right? So... Up to three rounds. If you win two rounds, you win yeah. the match. If you go back and forth one time, there's a third round. Mm-hmm. In most fighters, don't your gauges reset at the start of each round? I noticed in no. Pokemon... No, they usually they stay charged or um, whatever. Because I feel like in Pokemon, it's like, you know, you fill up your assist Pokemon or whatever. Oh. And then it's like, when the second match starts, it's like, oh, he's still there. Or a better example is the um, the, the special attack gauge. Oh, yeah. Where that, it actually that... remembers the charge of the previous round. Oh, no, yeah. I'll... I'll... Oh, were you gonna cover that? Sorry, it's just c- something that jumped at me. Like, no, 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 no. That, that, that's a good point, and I'll. I'm. Not, you're gonna have to remind me later because that's something I have to cover later when I start talking about um, your your All advisor, that. your advisor buddy. Okay, yeah, well, because we'll that's a big thing with her. I'll bring it back up then. So, those <laughs> mechanics are just something that I don't know. I just are. They feel like something that's kind of keeping me from fully enjoying the game right now. But I kind of giving it the. I know, I don't know, maybe, but I'm I'm figuring that somewhere down the road, it's just something that you're just going to have to work around, and it just becomes a mind game. You're just going to have to, all right, I have to just trick my, condition my opponent to try and counter, or, I don't know, it's just a guessing thing. But, yeah. luckily for me, and in general, um, when I pick a fighting game, I just stick with my, a character that I like. If I can't find a character that I like, I'll just abandon the game, and I have tried to get into more traditional fighting games before to no avail because I just couldn't get a character that I tried. Like, I tried getting into Skullgirls. I liked the, I really liked how the game played, but couldn't get into it because mm-hmm. of the characters. Right, um, right. Tried Street Fighter 4, tried Tekken, but, like, nothing... I remember getting Tekken on Wii U. No, yeah, like, yeah. but no, no character ever really stuck. And I, I stuck with Street Fighter 4 probably the longest because there were figures that I liked, but at the end, I don't know, I guess I just couldn't really commit to it. But this one has Weavile, and Weavile's on Mountain for Pokemon, so obviously I was gonna like stick with this game like no matter what. And luckily for me, Weavile's gameplay kind of kind of takes care of a lot of some of the issues that I have with the game. Mm-hmm. Like Weavile's all about um, manipulating manipulating your opponent and conditioning your opponent and faking out your opponent, which is just I don't know really fun to do, and it and it makes it so like all right. Um, I'm going to pretend to attack my opponent. I could see them blocking because they were waiting for my attack, but then I could just cancel out my attack halfway through and change it to something else. And he's and I typically, I like a really aggressive characters. I like to just go all in and just continue attacking. And that's all Weavile is. He's just about like getting in there and just attacking the whole time and just 
pretty much just like messing with your opponent, like stopping a com stopping attacks halfway through to maybe get him to attack, and then using that opening to attack them again. And I don't know, he's just really fun, and that's why I really like. I mean, he's good with him. They give you that. He's just really <laughs> fun to play as, and from what I can tell from a few people that like that I've that I've played this game, like every character that they've picked, like they really really love to play as. And for disclosure, I've only played as Levi because he's the only one I really care to play as. Yeah. If he wasn't in there, I don't even. Know. I'd probably just play this game for fun and not really care too much and just probably abandon right. it. But. Next to Evolve, like, I'm seeing it through, like, for the long haul. Yeah. But that's kind of where the other minor issue comes in. These characters are really, really fun to play as mm-hmm. overall, like, mm-hmm. from what I've heard around and from what I can tell you as Weavile. Like, Weavile's really fun to play as. But I enjoy the cardio, yeah. On and the other you, But unfortunately, that doesn't really translate the other way around. Like, some of these characters are not fun to play against whatsoever. <laughs> and it's no... I mean... They're well designed. All these characters are well designed. There are only eighteen of them, but like the variety in there is is pretty good. Like each character, like I've played against them enough to know that like they all play, they all handle really differently. They all have their own little gimmicks, but and I can name them right now. Like a few of them, specifically, um, well, I'll, oh, oh, here we go. I wrote them down because there were a few of them. So <laughs> Chandelure, Braxion, the Mewtwo, Sceptile, Suicune. Some Charizards and Gardevoir. That's like, That's about, like half the roster. Yeah, half the roster. I get like ugh, they're just not fun to play against. They're just so annoying because all they do is, all of those except for sometimes Charizard. Sometimes Charizard because he has his own issues when he could just stay in the air forever and block and jump in the air and. Oh, that sounds annoying. Yeah, but every, all the other ones like they could just like. Make you go through projectile hell. They'll just like spam projectiles for days, and it just takes forever to get to them. And you get hit by one thing, and it knocks you back further. So you have to just I don't know. It's just like ah, uh, it just takes forever, and it's just really annoying. It, yeah, it feels like especially Chandelure in some cases. Like depending on the skill of the player, like they're just really good at zoning you, and which is good. I mean, I'm not saying they should be nerfed because I mean they're doing what the character is supposed to do. Like they're right. designed to keep you away with projectiles. Just but they, it frustrating but they almost do it so well that it, like, you just can't get near them. And we have other characters that have to get right in your face to do damage. But when they can shoot beams that go across the entire stage at almost like like no repercussions, it's kind of like... Uh... That is something I've experienced as well. Because I use Lucario, who's a bit more... I mean, he has his ball, I guess. Yeah. But he is definitely more hand-to-hand. And oh, yeah. Like, and, yeah, it's, I'm yeah like, like Lucario feels like more like of an in-between. That's why I didn't even name him down. Because like, he, yeah. he's fun to find. The Pikachu like, are fun to find. There are, those Champ. three, the ones I use, Pikachu and Lucario, are, are, the, like, are the equivalent to Mario in Smash Bros. They're like the well-rounded, starter-y, sort of like, get your feet wet with their, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and they're fun to fight against, but like these guys, like I will say that when you beat them, it feels way more satisfying to beat them than any of them, but like, why well, as you're playing them, you're just like, Ugh, like I don't want to <laughs> deal with this game. Like, yeah. I mean, every fighting game has those characters that are really fun to play, but that you really hate playing against. Like in Brawl with Meta Knight, in Smash Four, like Bayonetta's really fun to use, but I hate fighting against her. Well, she could do those stupid combos that take, or could before the update, the combos that take um, you like way still, off the screen. Yeah, like I mean, she still has some, but like even if they're ten, like toned down, like they're still they're still there. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's other characters like I mean, Sheiks, like some other characters. They just like they just like to retreat. You have to pretty much um, you can't play the game. You can't play the game the way you normally would. Like, right. You have to pretty much change it completely. It's just a, right. like oh I don't know like Sonic like he'll hit you, run away, hit you. I mean 
if then we have to, and I could maybe get a hit in once or twice, but yeah. I mean, that's just there's always so much you can do in that situation before it's not fun, yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like the poking problem. Yeah, except if I cast the cast. At least yeah. Smash Brothers, it's like, it's like for, the, for, for the most part, yeah. And maybe, and again, because the game is still relatively new, maybe at some point I'll just get a lot. I mean, in the beginning, it was almost, it felt almost impossible to get through these things, but I've gotten, I've improved enough to where now I could at least figure out that against Chandelure, I have to try to stay above, I have to try to stay in the air as much as possible because you can't really attack you in the air that much. Mm-hmm. But, and against Braxian, uh, you're just kind of, like, messed up on all fronts. But <laughs> for the most part, like, I'm learning, and I feel like as time goes on, maybe, like, their flurry projectiles will be a lot more manageable. But for now, it's just kind of like a a morale on the game, like, that brings yeah. you down. But I have I have faith that it'll just get it'll just get better. Well, it sounds like you're already starting to get the hang of how to deal with some of them, so. No, oh, yeah. It's just making that, or honing in on that. Yeah, and yeah, so for the most part, I'm saying that like a lot of these things will get fixed in time. But the other thing that I was like really like excited about was the ranking system, and it's there, and it actually took me a while to figure out. But there is a ranking system in place exactly how I would want it. It's just not presented in the way that I would have liked. So okay, <laughs> so like every fighting game, like you win points, you lose points with every match that play online ranked right and just like street fighter just like any other game like you <coughs> you get penalized pretty much the same amount that you would for winning and it does take a while to reach those same amount of points but that's if you're just looking at the points because the points are really all that matters mm-hmm. you do have a titled ranking like you start at e5 you work your way through e4 e3 e2 then you go to the d's and the c's and the b's and so on right, right. but you can't rank down so once you get to e4 the lowest you'll ever be is E4. You could go down to the lowest form of E4, but all the rank tells you is just a, how persistent you've been in playing online. Because at some point, you will just rank up to the next one and to the next one to the next one. Mm-hmm. So the rank just tells you how dedicated they are to playing. It doesn't really tell you how good... It's not actually skill. Yeah, it's not, a, really, it's not so much a show of skill, but a show of Activity. persistence. Yeah. yeah. And the points, like that's where you can actually see how, like, where someone stacks. Because if you go to the rankings, they actually do rank everyone by points. And you can see... That's pretty buried, though. And, and then you see, like, where everyone is, but you don't really know that just from, like, playing an opponent. I mean, even... Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't know that was an option until just now. No, yeah, like, and, <laughs> and your points are, like, down in the corner, like, all tiny. Yeah. And tells you, like, oh, you went up by 100 points. Like... They make it prevalent you went up by 100 or went down by a certain amount. But I didn't know it meant But, that. yeah, like, for a while, I'm like, wait, up by 100, but 100 what? And then on the bottom, you see, like, oh, okay, there's, like, a 3,000 down there or something. Yeah, see, I saw that. I was just like, oh, it's just some sort of weird thing that has to do with the, the letter number. You know, like, E4, yeah. like you said. But so, you can't so that, rank them separate by just that? Yeah, so that's, like, the one that matters. Like, what it should have been, like, is, like, oh, like, 2,000 points is what gets you to E4. Go below 2,000, you go back to E5. But, you know what it kind of feels like to me is that this is the developers kept saying, "Oh, we want to make a fighting game that makes sense for beginners that they can get the hang of it." I wonder if this was them going, "Let's let's rank them based on just playing," because they're they're new to fighting games. They'll be happier rank up just by playing, and then the people that really care. Here's a tiny number in the corner, like yeah, so it's pretty kind much of a weird design choice, but I guess I see why they did it. Yeah, so essentially, like you just have to keep going back to the rankings to see how you really are doing. Yeah, yeah. or I guess it's kind of. 
look at the rankings, kind of memorize, like, all right, I kind of should be at the 10,000s, and then I should just, like, work my way there. Because right. unless you do that, you won't know how you really stack up for the most part. Because yeah. even um, your win and loss percentage, while it's always there, I mean, you can have a really bad losing streak. Like, I mean, I'm at a 52% win rate, which I thought was really bad. But then I'm looking at um, some of the people that have a... I don't know, like an A ranking, and they're like mm-hmm. at like forty percent, but they just have that because at some point they just started winning a bunch of games in a row, and they raised their points really high. So even the win loss percentage doesn't really matter too much, right? Because I mean, once you accumulate a lot of games, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that was that's just like a minor, like a minor grip that it's I don't know. It just it just takes an extra step or two, but it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But it's I mean, mm-hmm. if that's what you were looking for, you just have to look, look at the rankings. Harder. Yeah, yeah. But, so that's, like, the competitive aspect. Um, as far as, like, the game overall, you have um, you have a league where you just play through a bunch of computers, like... Ad nauseum. You yeah. You play through a bunch of computers. I... You... Yeah. You, you go through... <laughs> um, there is a few leagues. There's, like, I think the Red League, the Blue League, and then the Chromia League. Also green. You start in green. Oh, yeah, green. Oh, yeah, green, red, and... Green, green to start. Green, yeah. red, and blue. Pretty much the three mm. Yep, the original Pokemans. And... You fight 40, well, not 40. Well, you fight five randomly generated, like literally randomly generated Multiple computers. Times over. Like five different ones with random Pokemon, like back to back. Depending how you do, you raise your rank. You start at 40, or then you start at 60, then you start at 80. And once you get to anywhere between rank 8 and 1, you mm-hmm. enter a little tournament. And then if you win three times in a row, you enter. You have to fight against, like, the gym league champion, and then you beat them, and then you go to the next league. And for me, that was okay, just because... I'm, I'm, like, I'm just trying to learn the Pokemon, so obviously, like, I'm just playing through the game just to, like, master Weavile. So I didn't really mind it too much, but I could see how... Well, I guess it did at some point. You just can't do it back to back. It just, no, I did It gets boring at some point. And, I do them in small chunks. Like, mm. I would do, I couldn't even do, like, a whole, I, I could, but it felt a little grueling to do, like, a whole, um, like, the Green League, to go from beginning of, like, the qualifiers, where you have to get into the top eight, based on points, yeah. all the way to the championship. I broke it up in two, because I was like, how many times am I going to fight the same, like, super easy Pikachu Libra? Like, I'm getting tired of doing it. Like, I'd rather do something yeah. else and come back. And then, like, so, and since it's, like, randomly generated, I remember one set of five that I had to fight. I had to fight, like, three Weavile's and, like, a Charizard and a Lucario, and it's like, oh. I actually never had um, more than two back-to-back. Uh, Maybe I got lucky. Uh, I mean, it is random, so. Yeah, I mean, there is, after you do the those three leagues and then the Chromia League, there yeah. is an Iron League where you have to, like, go from rank 100 or something. That's double difficulty, too, for the fighters, right? Or am I oh, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, the difficulty I mean, they get up, up each time, yeah, but, but that one is uh, but double. But honestly, toughest. the last league felt easier than the one right before it. Really? I don't know why. Maybe I was getting better at that point against computers. Right. I should specify that. Which is and, very different than against yeah. humans, as I learned and you learned. And then at some point, like, I don't know, they just like sprinkle in the Shadow Mewtwo story, and it's it's, it's kind of funny how like plain and yeah. just shoved in there it is. They're like, oh, I heard rumors of this dark Pokemon, and then the voice acting is like, I don't know, like people were just literally reading lines. They weren't really, I don't yeah. Know. Or Me- people thinking like like, oh, how do people voice act? Oh, oh no, that is really bad. Shadow Mewtwo's myth myth is true. What? Literally like that, like how how could that be true? Yeah, you you have this. I uh, too love Pokemon. <laughs> I forgot her name, but it's this woman that's obsessed with Weavile. She's pretty much with you the whole time. Naya, Mia, Mia, 
Yeah, and, and, and. and throughout the story sheets, it's like kind of like talking about the Shadow Mewtwo also. And then you fight for Shadow Mewtwo a few times, and at some point, it the leagues close down, and you have to do go on this Shadow Mewtwo training thing where you fight some people in temples, and you are reviving an amulet, and then eventually you fight Mewtwo, <laughs> and then you unlock it. Could, could we take a moment to focus on just Nia? Uh-huh. I don't know if you... Were you going to talk about her, or should I just slot it in? Oh, no. This is the Mia section, so go ahead. Good. She's so annoying. <laughs> like, oh, my God. No, okay, so basically, I understand why she's there. She's your tutorial. She's your guide. She literally is a tutorial when you learn the game. And then during battle, she's useful because she tells you when your gauges are full, which you know means you can activate special attacks. I get mm. all that. I had her off, but, but I actually oh had my... to turn her on at some point. Like, yeah. back to normal, so that I could know when my opponent's gauges are full. Because there's, so, she much, shouts it. there's it, so much stuff going on the screen that at some, oh my god, there's Reshiram. That guy, that support Pokemon is so annoying because he just shoots like a, pretty much a hyper beam that covers the whole I field. I bet Mia is more annoying than that. <laughs> I had to turn Mia back on to counter that. Oh wow! Ooh, that, that's how bad it got. Yeah, that's that's like torture. That, yeah. No, but here's my problem with her. They gave her dialogue. They make her friendly. That's fine. But she talks so much that you. By the time I played just one session of Pokémon, I heard basically all the dialogue. Because a lot of it loops, especially in battle. Like, she'll, like, when you start battle, she's like, Ooh, they made you their punching bag. When you lose. <laughs> or when the battle's bad again, like, I can't remember what the line is anymore because I blocked it from my memory because it was so horrible. It wasn't that bad of a line, but it's just like, Are we ready to fight? We're going to win this one, aren't we? Like, some generic stuff, but she says it every mm. single time. And then she also has this weird obsession with her Weavile that you never see or meet. <laughs> Like, I have a theory. I'm honestly like, really hoping that at the end you have to fight her and her Weavile. But of course but, not, because yeah. that makes too much sense. I have a theory that the Weavile is actually dead and she just can't let go. Because she always says it in, like, a past tense. She's like, or she'll always be like, oh, Weavile's sleeping, but he'd love to be here. Or, like, my Weavile <laughs> would have done the same thing. Would have? You mean, it past tense. So clearly, she had some sort of horrific life experience. She said my Weavile does the same thing. She doesn't say, yeah, I she know, yeah, say yeah. it does. But she said would have, or th- things like that. So clearly, here's my theory. I think Pokemon's a really dark game. Like, really dark. Like, like super dark. And I think, basically, it's really the tale of her mental breakdown after the Weavile died, and she just can't let go. And Shadow Mewtwo is the demons of her past, and not an actual thing. And all of this is in her head, and she's actually in a mental ward. That yeah. is what Pokemon Tournament's all about. Enjoy the game. I'm going to roll away now. <laughs> but so, anyway, no, she's super annoying. It's my only point. But I appreciate her being there because she's kind of needed as well. So we're on the subject of Nia. Like, actually, yeah, like, I had her off because during the battle, like, her cries would get annoying and mm-hmm. I just didn't want to have her talking the whole time. But mm-hmm. then, like I said, with Reshiram or just keeping track of, like, when your opponent's gauges are full, she actually came in handy. Yeah. As much as, like, That's hearing, why go, I leave her on. hearing to go, like, like, oh, you're halfway done or... They're like, oh, are you okay? I don't know. Just random stuff like that. I can't, but, there's one line in particular that I thought was in, so weird, but I can't remember what it was. Okay. But, but anyway, like, she, I mean, she has other functions too, or I guess they're just disguising them as her functions, but basically she di- she does this thing called cheering between matches, and after playing through some of the leagues, you unlock a bunch of different styles of cheering, and you have support style cheerings, aggressive cheers, or different cheers that pretty much when you lose or in between matches, you'll either rate... Like, um, fill up your gauge completely for the support Pokemon, or some of your your synergy gauge, or a little bit. Uh, it just depends on what you want. Like, if you're going all support heavy, you'll want the one that fills up your support gauges all the way. If you're going right. synergy gauge heavy, which is what lets you transform into your stronger Pokemon form, whether the Mega Evolution or if they don't have a Mega Evolution, just 
I don't know, stronger than really yeah. have something. Then you'll go with that one. And I like to go with the Synergy Gauge one because then it pretty much lets me use Weavile's like, energy burst twice in a match. But I remember the line. Sorry. Can I interrupt you real quick? Uh-huh. The line I thought was so stupid was, remember, the goal is to have fun. I'm like, why are you, like, if every match oh, she yeah. said that she for a while, she said I'm like, yeah, she said yes, that, yeah. I know why video games exist. Please don't remind me every five seconds. Like, I don't get annoyed by much, and I'm kind of well, jokingly annoyed because right it's a fighting now, game, and like, a lot of people could get really... I know. Angry. Like, like, I know, but it's just like... <laughs> She's so close to saying, it's just a game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's basically what it is, but it's just like... <laughs> yes, I know why I'm playing this. I understand the idea here. Idea here is fun. Whoa, no idea here. Idea, idea, idea here is fun. It's all about the fun. No, but like, I, I, yeah, it's just like such a dumb line. Anyway, yeah, so, so, so I mean, that's something that you should also consider. Just like, what kind of place are you like, and what you want to carry into battle. Right, like, right. And that also leads you to like after unlocking all those support Pokemon, which combination of support Pokemon you want? Since they come in sets, and you can't cut up the set so depending on what pokemon you have you might want to pick one that suits you rotom is another one of my all-time favorite pokemon so i had to pick him no matter what so instead of figuring out what pokemon which the purple one went best with my with weavile i just picked the one that looks coolest I, in I, your opinion with weavile. I, yeah i just picked rotom and i'm like all right now i'm just gonna figure out how to make rotom work best with weavile and yeah and luckily, like, I, I have found, like, a lot of good uses for him. He's just a good anti-air. He keeps... If anyone jumps in the air, he keeps them in place, and I could just, like, punish them for jumping. But, yeah, so that's... That's poking you could... I mean, I, I felt like it wasn't even worth mentioning, but you could... I don't know, customize the look of your character. I mean, you could change their clothes. I'm still bummed about that. With a bunch that. of points of that. I made... I gave mine some round specs and made them all radiant and orange and... Kind of weird See, I'm looking, still but... bummed about that because that was the My Town feature. Though. This yep. very show, I said multiple times, wouldn't it be cool if there's this whole like interactive element where your town, you could like display your town square to other people or something, and all you can do is customize your character. And all that customization just comes from the Pokemon money you earn, which is also what they penalize if you drop out of a match early, but you just earn it back really quickly anyway. So there's really no point to any Ooh, of it. Oh, yeah, I should mention that. Um... You also didn't really talk about the meter thing that you wanted me to bring back up. I did. I already explained it all. That's right, you did. Just kidding. Um... I should mention that as far as the single player goes, you have to pick the Pokemon that you want to use throughout the single player in the mine town. You have to go to customize your Pokemon and yeah. then you pick the Pokemon and the the you could pick three you can have up to three support Pokemon saved at once. So once you go into the single player mode, that you can't switch your Pokemon in there. You have to go all the way back out to the other menu and switch your Pokemon. Yeah, they make it sort of like this weird thing where it's almost like, oh, you have to have this bond with this Pokemon. So it's like part of your character. So if you want to yeah. customize it, you go customize your character. And on Which one on end, one level is like, okay. Yeah, but on the and, other hand, it's also kind of weird. Yeah, but I mean, it helps you like learn a Pokemon really well if that's what yeah. you're trying to do. Like, you, you should be at least proficient with a Pokemon by the end of it if, that's, yeah. if you did stick with them all the way. But for all that nitpicking, though, it is worth saying as a more casual player, cause, and you said this at the top, but as a more casual player, it is really fun. Like, oh, yeah. that, that if you're is... not trying to be competitive, you're not trying to learn full, all the ins and outs, yes, Nia's annoying, yes, projectiles get in the way, and kind of, if you're like someone like Lucario, like I am, it kind of hinders you a little. But you can actually hold your own sometimes without doing a lot of like crazy combos that don't really exist anyway, and it's really fun. Like As a casual fighting game, I'm enjoying it a lot. As a hardcore one, it sounds like it definitely has flaws. It has some, but it's one of those that we're going to have to be patient. I mean, yeah. a good indication of whether this patience was worth it will be at EVO, because by that time, the, the game would have, yeah, the game will be out for a long time, and we're going to see what 
people have really come up with at that point. And if it still looks like a projectile fest or something like that, then at that point it might just be, you know, I'll just stick with this on the online. Right. But, I don't know, time will tell. And I did get the controller today as of this recording. Oh, the Hori Pokemon Yeah, and it's, it's really comfy. I just like how... It's really tiny. It's tiny, but it feels it fits nice and snug. The only... If, any, if I have any issues with it, it's that the shoulder pads, they're perfect squares, and they're somewhere, like... They're not flush against the edges of the controller, so it's not oh. like the gamepad where your fingers nicely wrap around it and you can just press down. It's kind of... It's like they're somewhere, like, in the... They're already, like, further inside, so... Hmm. It's not as flush, but I don't know, something you have to get used well, to. Well, I'm sure it's better than the arcade version's controller, which is, like, the size of a gamepad, but with nothing in the middle. And honestly, like, the gamepad wasn't bad at all. Like, I got oh, fully used yeah. to that, and it's nice and comfy. Even just playing off the gamepad was perfectly fine. I feel like... Yeah. I don't know, I mean, you just get used to it for after not looking at the TV for a long time, but you don't really feel like you're losing out on graphics. Like, it still looks really nice. And this game is really nice looking. It is. Oh, man, Weavile's voice. I hate Weavile's voice. That's, like, the one thing that I almost forgot to mention, but uh, Weavile in Smash Brothers or any of the games where he came out, or even yeah. on the cartoon, well, I only saw him once on the cartoon in that Mystery of Mew movie, uh, Weavile had a very deep, deep, really, really deep, gruffy voice. And since that's the first voice I heard with Weavile, I just got used to that. <coughs> Like that, like, oh, that's Weavile's yeah, voice. Yeah. This Weavile sounds like a generic anime character making a cat sound. Mm, and it's just a bunch bad. And it's just, and it's just a bunch of like high pitched raspy nyan nyans. Oh, so it's just no. really annoying and I just hate it so much. Oh, no. And at first I'm like, alright, maybe it's a girl Weavile, like it'd be kinda they could get away with it. Yeah. But I guess since I also have a lot of Weavile's in the three D S, like they tell you like, Oh, male Weavile's have long ears and Female with her short ears, and this is a male Weavile. So they can so get away sorry. with that. I'm so sorry. I know. Like, my, <laughs> like, my, like, the character I was looking more forward to have to have yeah. someone that I have to pretty much yeah. endure every time I win a match, and they just, like, start screaming out nyan everywhere. But I will say, when you win a match, the pose your Pokemon does with that win it, with that badge, it's like, winner looks so badass. <laughs> like, like, so oh my god, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, everything I'll, in this game looks yeah, like really I think cool. the presentation is really, I it's just, really I, nice. I love the... The hologram yeah, the, computer the, simulation the, thing going on. Yeah, the on. whole, like, like, like um, Charizard versus Weavile, like that whole little thing, oh, that, yeah, that screen, yeah. like just looks so nice. Everything about that game, just like I love the interface. I love how it shows like the rounds, how it's all like kind of digitized on top, and it goes yeah. like one or I don't know. Everything about the presentation is just really nice. It's cool because like the it's whole... like so dynamic and I don't know. Yeah. It's more exciting, honestly, than any other fighting game right now I could think of. Yeah, just the presentation. It's, it's cool because like the the concept of the game is like in this in the Ferrum League in the Ferrum region, people use this technology to literally like take over their Pokemon by Avatar style. Oh and yeah. So then and this whole game is like, oh, well this is a very tech advanced region. We're gonna go full like crazy futuristic tech for the inner for the UI. So everything has this kind of like hologram VR goggle looking it's yeah. really cool. And yeah and it just it's looks really so nice. Cool. It's so much nicer than just like yeah two health bars on the top. Music's not bad either. It, oh, it yeah. does it does like a nice mix of Traditional, like, normal flying music with, like, Pokemon themes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish I had actual Pokemon themes, but it's just all yeah. original. We just kind of yeah. let down. But um, the other thing I was going to mention really quickly was... um, uh, I blanked out because... Presentation like, stuff? Animations, perhaps? No. Dang it. I lost it. I'm so sad right now. And it was a point I wanted to make. Is it on your notes? No. This oh, is something I just thought of right now. Oh. Uh, graphics. Well, on a side note, this is not, this is not, oh! There you go. Well, yeah, I guess in case you were wondering why, like, Charizard isn't completely destroying Weavile and Ice-type and stuff like that, or Water Pokemon for Fire Pokemon for that matter, when they're in that bubble, 
it pretty much neutralizes all weaknesses and stuff. So that's kind of their... Thus keeping it canon. Yeah, kind of like um, Injustice, how like, oh, how can Batman yeah. fight Superman without Kryptonite? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But last thing I want to mention, as much as I love the presentation... Um, Here come the animations. Yeah, the, the background characters... I knew they were bring this up. Like, usually background characters are things you could just ignore, and usually I just ignore them, because who cares about the backgrounds? You're looking at the fighting game. But, I mean, a lot of these backgrounds are pretty nice. Like they, I mean, a lot of games have a lot of really nice fighting game backgrounds. It's so vibrant, so colorful. A lot of the characters, you don't expect them to have too much, too many things. Do like you don't expect them to be doing too many things. Right. Like in Street Fighter, like you just have people like nodding yes or animating back and forth, and they're all well animated. Even if they don't have many frames on them, they're well animated. You get the point across. This game, just to emphasize, because you didn't pick up on what he was saying, they're well animated on the other games. Yeah, they don't have to be like really good animated. They just have to like get the job done. Yeah. These like it's like. They didn't even get to that point where they're like, oh, just get the job done. It's like they just... They dragged a still up and down on a rail. Yeah, like, someone described them perfectly. It's like all these Pokemon and people, they're, like, on popsicle sticks, and they're just being, like, moved around with, like, someone holding the popsicle stick on the bottom, but in slow motion. So a lot of things just look weird and stand out too much. They're almost like... like Basically to the point that I have to bring it up, because normally, like, I would just ignore backgrounds and just kind of leave it at that. But, yeah. yeah, it's almost like static images that somehow got dragged around a little. Yeah, like I mean, they have some like some movement, but yeah, yeah. But that's just it, like some movement. Like some Pokemon just look like inflatable balloons, or like there's some Pokemon on a trampoline, but it's like that's not how physics work. Like, why are they going so slow or at the exact same speed the entire way, like up and down? But I don't know. I digress. It's not the biggest thing, but it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. It just, so overall, it takes me for like, overall, as a competitive fighter, it sounds like you have more, you have questions and doubts. But as this overall game, no, the overall game is really good. <laughs> I recommend it. And even as a competitive game, a, yeah. you just have to. It's too early to save. It's like, bad agree. You have to stick with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I like like I said somewhere in these impressions, um, I I'm enjoying it as a casual fight, as like a casual fighting fan. But yeah, as I could see. Where you'd have objections for sure, definitely. Yep. To kind of sum up what you said to a single but that's sentence. Poking. Yeah, poke. It, you know, it speaks volumes about a game when you can have this much to say. Like the fact that like you had this much to say means there's a lot of meat on the bone, and there's actually probably a lot of good content in there that you can nitpick these specific things. And actually, talk about this long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if the game just sucked, if it was just a bad fighter I mean, from start to finish. If you find a Pokemon you like, you'll definitely enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, you could even play specific Pokemon differently, like, like. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, like Charizard, he has the potential to be very campy, but he can also be played very aggressively. So, right. I mean, so even though there's only 18, it really can feel like there's 36. Right, so. right. But yeah, what, what I started to say is like, if, if this game just, like if this was just a horrible game from start to finish, like if it just the mechanics didn't work, you wouldn't be able to talk about it for as long yeah. as you just did. So I, I feel like even though it was a lot of specific things you're pointing out that were flaws, the fact that you found these flaws speaks volumes about no, yeah, the quality a, of it. Overall, yeah, it's a really you know? good game. Like the Pokemon yeah. themselves are like well animated. Everything is just cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, Gengar is like probably one of the coolest Pokemon on there. So if you need a new fighter, everyone might be worth checking out Pokemon. Yeah. And there is now a demo on. Especially because it's like no other fighting game. It's like just yeah, it's really de- I've never played anything like that with the plane switching and stuff, two D and three D. It's ambitious. Forth. It's very ambitious. It's I gotta give Bandai Namco credit. They went all in. Yeah. On like they just were like, let's get crazy, and they did. No, let's just hope for some DLC, and if not, then oh. Let's hope for DLC unless there isn't, in which case we can't. Because, I mean, I'll probably I still play yeah. as Weavile, I'll just it'd be yeah. nice to have more opponents to play. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that pretty much does it for this episode of the show, I think. Uh, 
Uh, next episode is coming on April 17th, where we, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we have our full Mitomo impressions once we have time to actually let it sink in. Plus, of course, we discuss all this game news and games and whatnot. Um, in the interim, though, we love to interact with you guys in Mitomo. So uh, if you don't already, you can follow us on Twitter. I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And once you follow us, go on Mitomo. And add us there, and we'll add you back. We also have our Mitomo QR codes on the Ram Nintendo Twitter and on our respective Twitters. So you can go find us and then add us, and it'd be fun to, you know, learn a bit about you guys, and you can see what ridiculous things we're up to in my pancake dress that I still don't have. But yeah, so, um, so follow us on there, and definitely to make sure you don't miss the episode on the 17th, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, where you can also leave a review if you like the show. Um, more reviews we get, the more exposure we get, the more opportunities to present you guys with cool stuff. So it'd be cool if you left us a review. We'd appreciate it. I noticed a few of you already did, actually. So thank you for that. We've been plugging this the last few times, and it seems to be working. So appreciate it. Um, and you can also follow Ram Town on Twitter, at Ram Town. Make sure you don't miss any extras like our WonderCon gallery that went up last week. So with all that said, um, we'll see you guys in two weeks. One last note. Apparently, on some Android phones, we're now on Google Play. So if you're an Android user... Go to the Google Play Store, see if we're there. They seem to be rolling it out in phases, and they're not telling us when it's going live, but we are apparently live. So, thanks, Google. You're the best. And we'll see you guys next time.